on the wrestling podcast about nothing. We're going to bury Tony Khan. Right, Brian? Uh, what? What? <laughs> right? This is uh, it, the burial episode. The bur- what? The burial episode? Yeah, let's scorch the earth, Mike. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, that's the only reason I agreed to do this after you hounding me for a year. <laughs> yeah, let's burn <laughs> the whole thing down to the ground, baby. Let's do it. Let's do it. It's the only way to spend Festivus, right? We just air our grievances the entire time. It is. It's the airing of the grievances episode of the career of Brian Malonis. Yes, we're going to run it all down today. You have so many grievances and uh, much more. But first, tell him, George. I think I can sum up the show for you with one word. Nothing. Wrestling fans, there are millions and millions of podcasts out there, but there's nothing like this one. Do you ever just get down on your knees and thank God that you know me and have access to my dementia? This is the wrestling podcast about nothing. Nothing? Nothing. Welcome to the wrestling podcast about nothing, a happy Festivus Christmas special, a production of Crackpot Podcasts. My name is Mike Crockett. I am a longtime independent wrestling referee in the Northeast, currently on an extended hiatus from the ring. And joining me for the first time in a while is a veteran of the New England Independent Matt Wars. He is a former Ring of Honor wrestler. I guess we'll get into that. He is the Kingpin Brian Malonis. Hello, sir. Hello, I prefer Ring of Honor Legend, Mike. Actually, I'm uh, I'm waiting for that Ring of Honor Legends deal to come through any day now. You know, they got the toy line, so maybe I'll get a you know a Legends figure and a T-shirt deal. You know, the whole the whole nine yards. Waiting by the phone, huh? <laughs> Something like that. It's gonna be a long wait, I think. <laughs> what do you mean? <laughs> <laughs> you know how it goes. We'll talk uh. about uh, your Ring of Honor Odyssey. Here today in the podcast, uh, I mean, you think wanted to call it the ROH post mortem? It's gonna be, we're calling this the burial episode. I mean, that'll get the <laughs> that'll get the clicks, right? That'll get the That's, views, the listens, all that the stuff. Clickbait. And it is a festivist miracle that we actually pulled it off a year <laughs> later. I mean, a year. Uh, I mean, the last one was February of twenty twenty one. So I mean, we're closer to two years than one year. Since we've well, done this, well, since I've left Ring of Honor, though, I, I'm a little, I'm only a few days shy as we record this past uh, my last Ring of Honor match. So yes, yes, uh, and, and we have numerous times, I think at least three times, have had this scheduled to record, and for one reason or another, you back out or I back out, and we've rescheduled and rescheduled, and finally, just in time for Christmas, as you said, a Festivus miracle, we are here today to do a wrestling well, podcast about another episode. I'd be remiss if I didn't bring up Mike. If I didn't bring okay. up all the shit that I used to take from you mm-hmm. before you were a father. Right. Before you had younglings. I got you kids. Know. Yeah. And now you realize how difficult sometimes this stuff can be to coordinate because kids are unpredictable. They're all over the place. They're maniacs. They definitely are. Mine are now at this point. Yeah. Four and two. So it's uh, it's it's a lot to keep up with, and you know what this yes, is, Mike. You know what this is, Mike. This is, we're doing some video too. So what's what's this, Mike? You know what this is? This that's, is the this is the world's smallest violin playing. My heart bleeds for you. 
Oh, I thought that was money. That's that's. <laughs> no, this is money. Oh, okay, all right. Yes, this, as you this s- is <laughs> small spot. Yes, I got you. Uh, yes, as you mentioned, we are recording video. This will be up on our YouTube channel. You can go to youtube.com slash the WPAN, or uh, I think just it'll be on the WPAN.com, which still exists. I still pay for for some inexplicable wow. reason. Yeah. Wow. So, Look at you. We're going to be everywhere for one time <laughs> and probably one time only. Well, we're not going to make a comeback. I thought this was the comeback special. Well, it is a special, but uh, I don't know. It's like it's Elvis. The, the big Elvis, uh, what was it? Uh, you know, 70 something comeback special. Something like that. Yeah, just <laughs> one and done, maybe. We talked wow. about last time. I, I went back and listened to our last episode, which is, like I said, in February 2021, and you were you're pushing the uh, the relaunch back then as well. Well, I'm going to tell you, Mike. You're you know you're uh, you know I'm getting offers. I'm fielding offers for uh, podcasts. So you know, there's offers on the table, baby. Really? Yeah, I, I did hear you on a podcast just spilling your guts. You you, you were desperate to uh, to get all this stuff out there. You waited long enough for me, and then you just went on another podcast and just gave all the scoops. So. I didn't give it. I didn't give it all. But no, I've been I've been doing some stuff with the Panda Wrestling Company. They got a pretty good deal over on Twitch. So I've, I've done some fun stuff over there. Yeah, I saw that. It seemed like a good group of guys. I'm a t- gals, I'm a TikToker so. now too, Mike. I don't know if you ever saw that. I'm a TikToker. TikToker. <laughs> <laughs> Good I'm for out you. There. I'm out there and I'm loving every minute of it. Is it uh Brian Malonis on TikTok? It is, yeah. Yeah, okay. I do some fun stuff. Excellent. Well, Brian, uh as I said, it is Festivus releasing this on the twenty third of December. Happy Festivus to one and all. Do you in fact, after this uh past year plus, have any grievances? <laughs> I mean, I have a lot of grievances. Um, I mean, we'll, we'll get it. You know, so this is right. This is gonna. This is. This isn't gonna be the freak out episode where I, uh, where I, uh, you know, go ask you to uh, delete it afterwards or or whatever. You know, we've never covered the, before. That's yeah, never full disclosure, before. we've covered the topics that I'm I'm not willing to go in depth on. But yeah, if if if, if I'm not happy about a situation, I mean, there'll probably be some situations we talk about where. Pretty disappointed in, in in booking or opportunities or things like that, you know. Um, yeah, so yeah, I, I don't. What the hell I got to lose at this point, Mike? What the hell do I got to lose at this point? Exactly. Yeah, I mean, we talked about this in uh, the last episode, I think, just that you were, uh, you know, your little your hands were tied when it came to this podcast at the end, where you didn't really want to say anything to offend, uh, you know, people in Ring of Honor. You didn't want to say anything to offend. People in general in the wrestling world, uh, you know, perceived competitors, perhaps. It's you nice just, making money, you know? <laughs> yes. You wanted to keep making that money or as long as you did. And uh, so, yeah, you kind of, you know, have a very rosy view of uh, your Ring of Honor uh, stay uh, through this podcast. But I guess now we'll, I, I, what I want to do is kind of just run down the whole thing and you can give us the, the real shit now. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. We'll go. I'll give you the real shit. I'll give you the uh, un uh, unabashed, the authorized uh, version yes. of Brian Malonis's stint in Ring of Honor, a legendary career in Ring of Honor, no doubt. That's what they say. Uh, you anyway <laughs> says. Uh, so uh, your Ring of Honor tryout. What what year was that exactly? So uh, funny enough, um, I just was going through some old emails looking for some stuff today. So it was 2016. I actually saw the letter. I actually saw the email that I got back uh, from Kevin Kelly um, 
like accepting me into the tryout. So it was 2016. Um, and, uh, you know, the funny thing is, uh, you know, speaking of grievances, a lot of it was born out of um, my departure from chaotic wrestling going up my ass sideways <laughs> and, and having a chip on my shoulder. And the other thing that kind of like it was partly a conversation with, with uh, our good friend, Handsome Johnny. Uh, Mr. Ivar of the Viking Raiders, mm-hmm. uh, who just randomly said to me, he's like, hey, you know who asked about you? And I said, I have no freaking clue. He goes, Kevin Kelly. I was like, Kevin Kelly? How does Kevin Kelly even know who the hell I am? I've never met Kevin Kelly in my life. He's like, I don't know. He's like, I, he asked me if you were still wrestling and how you were doing. And so that kind of got the wheels turning. And then I was just really pissed off with my exit from Chaotic because they were just like, I, you know, it was, it was Chase Del Monte who said to me, he goes, well, we're going to just kind of bring in like almost like the big show. Like, you know, um, we'll bring you in every once in a while just to do something. And I was just like, fuck you. Like, what are you talking about? Like, I'm, you know, I'm not like some old out to pasture guy here. Like, you kidding me right now? So I was You're pretty the pissed. You're the chaotic wrestling. Pretty much. Uh, <laughs> you know. <laughs> um, you know, that Jesus, what a claim to fame, huh? The Babe Ruth of chaotic wrestling. <laughs> God. Um, but yeah, so that I just was, you know, I was between that and then I just kind of had a um professional you know uh, i love jamie our good friend jamie jamie i love him he's done uh so much for me in my life um but on a professional level we just kind of had a falling out never on a personal level it was just on a professional level and that just put the chip on my shoulder for like you know it's the hell with this I, i'm gonna make one last go of this i'm gonna freaking um you know for a couple of years i gotten stagnant and was just like yeah i'll just be the local indie guy i guess and um and I just got motivated again, and uh, I dropped a bunch of weight, and I and uh, signed up for the tryout, uh, and it and it went well for me, to say the least. Yeah, that's the year we started the podcast, 2016. So when you think when you said 2016, I was like, yeah, because we started the podcast, you were in full hate chaotic mode. That was <laughs> like the first episode, just uh, yeah, just ramming it down Jamie's throat, and you were Atlantic Pro guy from uh, <laughs> Atlantic Pro to the day you die, but yeah. um. Yeah. So the, and then so it was that fall, I think. Yeah. That, yeah. That you went to it was. Camp. It was. Yeah. It was like September, um, and uh, yeah, it did the tryout. There's some other. Josh Woods was at my tryout, and um, I did. I did well. I, it was a two day tryout. I traveled with uh, Todd Sinclair, and and then Nigel McGinnis rode with us, and he was an odd duck. Um, <laughs> we were almost late for the first day because we had to drive around to find a McDonald's that had oatmeal. I didn't know McDonald's had oatmeal. But, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, he he was an interesting character, but um, yeah, it, it went well for me. I, I still remember. So they the so you know two day tryout. The second day of it, they do matches, and um, it was me versus this guy who did like a clown gimmick. He he, he briefly appeared in Ring of Honor with Vinny, um, as part of his stable, like Chuckles the Clown or some some shit like that. <laughs> Why um, did I, say? I have it in my head that it was Chuckles, but I I don't I think it was Chuckles. No I think to. it was yeah. I don't I don't remember what it was, but he was he was a clown. But um, we were the main event because we were the two standouts. That's kind of how they did it. Like you you got the main event of the second day of the camp. So we had the match or whatever, and they basically just line you up and tell you um, if you you know if they think you're TV ready. And I got like unanimous across the board. So yeah, absolutely. And then the only the only thing, Christopher Daniels, um, Christopher Daniels uh, goes, and I'll, I'll never forget it because he goes. You know, I, I don't really like fat guy wrestlers, but you did all right. <laughs> <laughs> right. 
Thanks. He's crazy. Hey, you guys. He's kind of a dink. Not my favorite person. Not my favorite person on earth. No. I mean, he's fine or whatever, but he just, he's always just kind of like, he's always just very dry and just kind of a dick sometimes. (laughs) Well, Brian, you know, he's uh, got a powerful position in AEW. He does. I I mean, I don't, I don't dislike Chris Daniels. He just was a dick to me a number of times. Like, and I would have no problem. You know, I actually told him about, I actually had a, not a run in with Chris Daniels, but I did like a trial match for Ring of Honor and he, he made me hand out, um, like years ago. He made me hand out Christmas cards to like the entire roster. I remember like so I, I'm giving them out or whatever, and and he, and I couldn't tell them they were from the people. They were from him, so people just think I'm a weirdo. Like um, Sammy Zayn, who was still there at the time when I had this trial, comes up to me. He goes, and he's laughing his ass off. He's like, "This is hysterical." He's like, "I thought you were just like some sort of weirdo or something." Handing <laughs> out Christmas cards <laughs> in the locker room, um, but I actually, you know, it's funny. Like I I talked to him about that in Ring of Honor. I was like, hey, you remember you did this to me? He goes, oh, man, I was a real dick, huh? And I go, yeah, yeah, you were. (laughs) (laughs) Thankfully, he's matured since then. Yeah, yeah, he's fine. I just, like, he would just, he would just say stuff like that, you know, like, uh, he didn't say, like, you know, usually I don't like, usually I don't like fat guy wrestlers, but I like you. He said, I don't really like fat guy wrestlers, so I didn't change his mind, you know. (laughs) (laughs) So, after the tryout, you... Did a bunch of like extra work, right? I remember seeing you one yeah. time uh, in Lowell, I believe. Yeah, because I was there. Uh, yeah. That you were like a security that, officer. That was actually before my. That was actually oh. before my tryout. That was the week before my tryout. That oh really? That one, yeah, the pay per view, right, with Ladder War and everything, All Star yeah. Extravaganza. Yeah, that was actually before my tryout. But yeah, I did a lot of. Anytime they were in the Northeast, I would hop in with um with fat pants and handsome, um you know, so Todd Sinclair and Ivar for the. Uh, Uninitiated. Those, <laughs> yeah. Yes, thank you. Um, and I would just hop in with them. So I would go to Baltimore. I'd go to Philly. I'd go to New York, uh, and just kind of you know be there. Is you know it was very reminiscent in a way of doing like WWE extra work in that I never really got matches or anything because I'm so damn big. Nobody's gonna put me in the ring with one of their stars to like put them over to make them look good. Like it just there's gonna be people who take moves and bumps better than I do. That's gonna make somebody look a lot better than I'm going to make them look because of my right. size. Um, but I'll, I'll never forget. So it was, it, we were in Baltimore and, uh, and I was glad, I was glad, um, Dos Todd's were there, uh, pants and, and handsome. Uh, cause I, you know, um, backs, you know, backstage or whatever. And, um, you know, delirious, uh, whose real name is Hunter. Um, and, uh, Kevin Kelly pulled me aside and I, I, Todd and Todd knew what was going on. Like they, you know, Fat Pants got the get the Iggy beforehand, and they invited me into the 2017 Top Prospect Tournament. Um, at that point, so this would probably would have been like maybe like November, December, like somewhere somewhere in there. So it was, and it was a really cool moment too to get to share with them. May have been a few weepy hugs with uh, <laughs> with Handsome. Not so much Pants. He's not that type of you know. He he doesn't get caught up in emotions like that but uh myself and the handsome one can be emotional fellas so it was a nice nice moment uh shared between the two of us there and i'm glad i'm glad they were both there for it so how far along did you get in the tournament so i um <laughs> so i got to the semifinals, which you went to where i lost to woods now from my understanding like at different points i was either supposed to win it or lose in the finals and uh at one point um, somebody had told me that me and Woods was earmarked for the finals and Woods was going to beat me in the finals, which I actually thought made sense. Like I thought like guy, my size, like 
you know, I think that's a you know good storytelling mechanism to throw me into the finals, you know, especially putting a guy over. Mm-hmm. Um, the first, the, so the first round tournament, was, the first round match was in Pittsburgh with this guy Raphael King, and this guy was a piece of work. Um, <laughs> <laughs> he was so upset because I, you know, I think. I, it sounds like, and I was never promised anything. I only heard about like the different iterations of the plan after the fact, like way after the fact. Mm-hmm. So I had no expectation going in. I, I was like, I didn't know if I was winning, losing. Like I didn't know what the hell the deal was. Um, but I think a lot of people were promised a, lo- a lot of things because there was a lot of hurt feelings. So th- this kid that I wrestled, uh, he was quite upset that I was going over on him. And he wanted to give me like all sorts of moves and stuff. So, so, uh, you know Ray Rowe and and uh, and Handsome are there, and Handsome starts asking me, "Hey, what are you guys doing?" He looks like he's trying to give you a lot of shit. So I, you know, I'm trying like I was trying to be diplomatic with the guy or whatever, right? And um, so Ray Rowe goes, "Wait, what? He want he want he want to like throw me around and stuff?" And Ray goes, "What? No, 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 that's not happening. That's not happening." He calls over BJ Whitmer and tells BJ, and he goes. What he goes? No, you're taking one bump from this guy. That's it. And they call him over, and he gets all like, he's this guy's just beside himself, and like he almost gave me like, oh, we'll just call the rest in the ring, sort of like, um, sort of like attitude, um, you know. So he was just real sourpuss that he was he was losing because I I don't know if he was made promises or whatever. Um, there was there was a big there's a big kind of regime switch there like not regime switch but in between the time I got invited to the top prospect tournament and then the night of the first round like Kevin Kelly exited Ring of Honor so and he had a lot of he wasn't just the commentator like he had you know he did a lot backstage and stuff too so and Kevin I mean Hunter was a big advocate of mine obviously Todd was but Kevin Kelly was a really big advocate of mine um, you know in in Ring of Honor so and the the fact that the did, did you feel like you were kind of like uh, tattletailing on on the on your opponent there, Raphael King there, when, <laughs> when you went to the a little? Well, that's not what you know, it wasn't it even exactly. The intent. That's yeah, it's not a, yeah. yeah, yeah. And I think that's why he probably got all all pissed off about it because I I was just talking to handsome, like telling him, you know, like you know, handsome is you know I've known him for twenty something years now. You know, yeah. at that point, you know, however, fifteen, sixteen years. And um and I was just telling him and it was Ray who got like all heated about it. And I and I, I had met Ray all of, you know, five or six times at that point. But you know, I appreciate him looking out for me. Uh I mean I think I think we'll find you'll find we'll find as we go through this story one of the one common theme of me and Ring of Honor is I was a really, really fucking bad advocate for myself and I didn't fight for things enough and it's not like, you know, it's a little different animal um than the independence and I learned it probably too late there, honestly. But that's as we go along, that'll be a common theme of uh I didn't I was not a good advocate for myself. Yeah. So the top prospect tournament, uh how did it end? Was the Josh Woods match? Was that your last match? Yeah, yeah. So that yeah. was yeah. Wrestled Josh Woods at the Hammerstein Ballroom, which was awesome. Like, and I was nervous. I was so. If you remember, that's the car ride where I almost pissed myself on the way there. <laughs> uh, you had to carry. You literally had to. You literally had to carry my bags for me because Todd had to drop me at the entrance of the Manhattan Center so I could go in to take a leak, and you carried my bags into the building for me. Oh, that's um, what I do. But I was nervous because, like, it's New York City. It's Hammerstein Ballroom. I'm like, they don't know us. I don't even think my first-round match had aired yet uh, on TV. So, uh, you know, these these people had no 
freaking clue who the hell I was. So I'm thinking, like, man, these people are going to eat us alive. And that was the Manhattan Mayhem show where, like, the um, Bubba Hardys. Ray debuted and the Hardys debuted. So that yeah. was a big night. Um you know, so it was, but I was nervous. But I thought, I thought the crowd, the crowd was pretty nice to us, and they were like into the match. I thought we had a good match, and you know, uh, but that was the end of my of my uh, top prospect journey. Um, you know, I was definitely a little bummed. I thought, you know, when I saw that I was matching up with Woods in the in the semis, because that's who I thought was going to win the whole damn thing. The entire when I first saw the field, I was like, it's got to be Woods. Like it absolutely has to be Woods. He has the amateur pedigree. Uh, he was like an All American. He was with WWE. He looks like a million bucks. Like he has a good personality. Like it, it was. It made all sense in the world. It didn't make any sense in the world for me to ever win that thing. You know, at that point, I'm 35 or whatever. Like it doesn't make sense for me. They could still and the the history with that. Term tournament is most of the guys end up with the company in some way shape or form anyways it's it's just it's a really good it's a really good sign if they even select you for it that they that they're interested in you so at that point you were thinking maybe this doesn't go beyond this top prospect tournament you weren't uh having high hopes of being like signed out of this oh no 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 i was i was I, i didn't have high hopes of winning the tournament but i thought i was laying the foundation for you know, for getting a job there, and all the feedback I received afterwards was like, "Yeah, we we still want to, we still want to keep using you." And and from that, I did get some bookings. You know, I, I worked a, I worked some dark matches. I worked Bruiser and Lowell, Mass. Um, I worked um, this guy Howie Timbershay in like a Future of Honor, like YouTube match. I feel like there was like one more. Um, but then like, you know, so that was like through, so that the top prospect tournament was like February, March. And then throughout the summer, I, um, you know, I did a couple things and then all of a sudden just like the well went dry. Like they, I couldn't get a text back, an email back, like anything. And I kind of just resigned myself. This is now we're going into like November, December time frame, And then I, so I do this match for beyond wrestling. This like four way where a stupid ass me, I, um, I did a dive. The only time I've ever done a dive in my entire career. And then when I got caught, it was with Josh Briggs and like he caught me and I thought I separated my shoulder, um, on it. And it turns out like I tore, like I have a divot in like my chest and shoulder here. I tore like my pec and my bicep, um, this is like November. So I'm still like recovering from that injury and, um, fat pants calls me or maybe me probably texted me. I, I feel like it was probably a text cause I was at, I was at, you know, my regular job and he's like, Hey, can you be in, um, it was like December or something or other. Can you be in Philly on, you know, this date? Because I think we have something for you. And he goes, not just like a dark match, but like, I think we have something for you. Can you be there? And I was like, I'll do my yes. best. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So at that point, like I, I actually had a doctor's appointment to get my injury looked at and I canceled the doctor's appointment. Um, you know, and, and I, I really should, you know, it, I, it was a, it's a serious injury and like I never got it fixed and I don't know what the long-term ramifications of it, but I didn't wait. You know, I started in 2001. This is now, uh, I've been, you know, been kind of a round ring of honor for over a year now between the tryout and the top prospect and doing some other stuff. I, you know, I didn't wait my entire career to get that phone call, you know, and then, nah, sorry, I'm too injured to, uh, to, to do it. You know, I didn't, I didn't wait that entire time. So that's, yeah, I kind of got laid out that they're going to put me in bruiser, you know, they're going to 
I'm going to wrestle Kenny King, and then we're going to do a number on him after the match, and I'm going to join Bruiser and uh, Bruiser and Silas. And the way it was pitched to me was this: it was this is a show to show deal, and you know how blunt like pants can be. You know, it's a show to show deal. If it doesn't work, we're just going to get rid of you, and they have contracts, so they'll still be here, and you won't. So you have to go out and make this work every. You know, every friggin' single time it has to, <laughs> like, it has to be good. Or because if it doesn't, then, you know, that's it. You know, that's, that's a little it. pressure. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> I was like, okay. But, you know, but it, it's a foot right at that point, it's a foot in the door, though. So, whatever at that point, I'm like, whatever, whatever you had for me, the answer would have been yes. And I'll, and I'll give it, I'll give it my all, you know, because I was, uh, I knew I'd never have another opportunity like that again. So I, I thought it was already passed. Like I just kind of resigned myself. Well, he's like, well, and I was like, you know, I remember I was talking, I was talking to Steph, and I was just like, well, at least I got to do some, at least I got to do some TV stuff before before I hang it up. You know, yeah. <laughs> like at least I got to do something. So we'll get into Bruiser and Silas, but I think around this time was Todd's uh, Ivar Handsome his last night in Ring of Honor. Yeah. I think yeah. I think like my first night was his last night because oh, okay. I get there that day and like I'm talking to um, different people and I so I knew that was I knew they were given their notice that night like obviously like I talked to Todd uh, I keep saying Todd and Todd I, I talked to Ivar yeah uh, and, I, and I knew they were given their notice but then I was told like hey your guys first feud out of the gate you're gonna you're, we're gonna put you with War Machine <laughs> and I was like oh. <laughs> And I have to like no sell it. I have to, you yeah, know, yeah. I have to, I have to be like, oh wow, that's awesome. Knowing like, well, that's fucking never happening. They're going to WWE. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so like, I I went and found I went and found uh, handsome, and I told him he's like, ah. Oh. So we just missed each other, which was a bummer because I would have loved to have had one, you know, one TV match with him. Um, it would have been just real fitting, you know, for yeah. our. The way our careers have just always intertwined, and uh, you know, so I'm bummed that didn't happen. But obviously, I'm ecstatic for him that he was going to WWE. That's where he's belonged for, you know, over well over a decade now. So, so there was no, there was no trying to convince him. Just wait one show. <laughs> absolutely, <laughs> no. absolutely not. No, I was, I was, I was over the moon that he was, uh, that he was leaving. You know. And uh, you know, having insight into some of their, I understand why they left too. They, I thought they made they made every effort, and it's funny how the money completely exploded in Ring of Honor, sort of after they left. And then to know what they got offered, and then what I ultimately made, and what other guys were making, it's like, wow, okay. <laughs> <laughs> like the, it just it just shows you how the money changed so much in Ring of Honor over my course of my time there. Hopefully, we'll talk about that a little bit as we get into uh, contracts <laughs> and such. But that night, like you said, uh, you were kind of paired with uh, Bruiser and Silas. That, that was set up through the Kenny King match. You said, yeah, yeah. So like, yeah, it was just. It looked like it was just going to be like, hey, it's just a, a, a you know jobber match or whatever. Just put Kenny King over strong, and and then they come at the end, and I join them. So that was, and then uh, the, so then the next day was uh, so this is so yeah I can tell you exactly this is right around like my son's birthday it's the middle of December because um, I get there and they say hey we need you to stay for promos tomorrow and I actually missed my son's uh, my son's birthday party um, 
you know, it, but it's one of those things like, you know, my wife understood and He's too young. He won't remember. He was two. It was a second it was yeah. a second birth. I mean, I was <laughs> I was I was heartbroken over it, you know. I yeah. wasn't um but also, you know, you get put in this opportunity, you get put in this chance like sorry guys, this is the first time you need me for promos. That's going to put over this new group that I'm in, but uh I got to I got to hit the road. So <laughs> Yeah. So so this first uh promo that you do how are you feeling? Because I know you know you're you're brand new here. You got two guys uh, that have been around to Ring of Honor for a bit. How do you feel like you were able to fit in with them at the beginning? I, I just it was. Um, I mean, obviously, I'd, I hadn't done promos with them or anything. I hadn't really wrestled with either. Oh, I guess I'd wrestled Bruiser at that point. Um, so I just was like, I didn't want to step on any toes. I just did exactly. I don't even remember what the promos were the gist of them was or whatever but i think i was pro- if if we if i if we can find them and go back and watch them i'm probably i probably say two words in them you know yeah. like it, it was you know i'm just trying to fit in at this point i don't want to ruffle any feathers i don't want to you know uh, they they were the you know they they were well established characters in in ring of honor as well you know bruiser and silas i mean i think they had just come off like a feud with jay lethal um you know silas did for like the television title bruiser was heavily involved so like I, at that point i'm just happy to be along for the ride and and that they're considering me for it so this show to show deal how do you feel this is going in the beginning you're you did you did this one show you did these promos they decided to bring back the next time right how, how did it go from there yeah i mean with the feedback we kept getting was hey you're doing exactly what we you know what we're asking you to do which wasn't a lot like i forget some of the early matches were just wrestling like preliminary stuff or like we're we're going out with silas sometimes it would just be bruiser that would go out with silas too i'd kind of be left in the left in the back like i definitely was the third you know was the third guy in the group uh they started we started doing a little six-man stuff here and there too uh the night we did this so we did the six-man tag match and um (laughs) uh where it's a hammerstein and before the before the show um you know but my early you want to talk about rocky relationships my early relationship with uh bubba ray bully ray was dicey so yeah. we did it we did this uh we did this match in nashville it was like uh i think it was like a six or eight man i think it was us the three of us versus i think kenny king and coast to coast and uh, get to the back, and I'm just kind of sitting there with Bruiser, and and Bubba Ray goes, "Hey, come here," and I think he's waving to both of us, like you know, because okay, he's going to give us feedback or whatever. So I just follow along, and he just stands there awkwardly looking at us for a minute, and I'm like, "Shit!" Like, "Oh, what do we do?" Uh, and he just looks at me and goes, "I'm not talking to you. I'm only talking to Bruiser." So I'm just like, I I literally said, and I and it was instinctual. Yeah, I was just saying, I go, all right, I'll go fuck myself. <laughs> um i mean which with that you know whatever like i don't know so then uh a little while after we had this six-man tag it was like this gauntlet six-man match or whatever and before the show uh bubba ray comes up to me and goes hey he doesn't even know my name i don't think at this point because he didn't refer to me by name he goes i know i'm not one to talk but your gear sucks it's indie-rific and i go okay (laughs) i do you have any like f- you know ideas like I can make it better? He goes, nope, and just walks away. Like <laughs> <laughs> so, I spent the better part of his career in a like uh, <laughs> a uh, 
t-shirt well, when and- o- yeah when you're over i guess you can do whatever the hell you want you yeah know? <laughs> so it's um but yeah my early my early relationship with bubba was i was like man i don't know what i did to to bubba but you know he fucking hates me <laughs> and it, it turned i mean later on like it got better and like yeah he was he did help us a ton um he just takes a while to i think to warm up to people but yeah i was like man this dude fucking hates my guts and i don't know what i did <laughs> you existed yeah and that's that, that's that's actually the same night that same night is actually when we came up with the bouncers too cuz we had been throwing around i don't even remember what some of them were now but but they all stunk, you know. The bouncers, <laughs> the bouncers, the bouncers was like probably like one of the first names that we came up with, and then we uh, we can do better, we can do better, and then we came back to it like no, that's actually pretty, that's that's pretty freaking perfect uh, for us. So um, I think I think that night might have been the first night we were announced as the bouncers. Because you'd look like you'd bounce if you threw were thrown, right? <laughs> yes, or we were like Silas oh. Youngs, like bouncers. Oh, okay. and no, I- and the whole beer thing, you know. Which, I mean, that's a whole thing in itself. I don't know how when we when are we want to talk to that, but I just I think for, especially early on, you know, uh, a lot of I just felt like I just felt like they always wanted me to, and I would get the direction even from like Fat Pants, like they just wanted me more like Bruiser. They want me more. I gotta be more like Bruiser. I'm just like okay, but like I'm different. You know, uh, that that was always a frustrating point for me because I, you know, especially even during our babyface run where we were really getting over, I just like, I don't want to be a cheap imitation of of Bruiser. And I felt like that was a lot of the direction I would get sometimes would just be more like Bruiser. And he, I mean, you know, I mean, you don't know Bruiser that well, but you know me and like, I'm, I'm not like this chipper, happy-go-lucky, like I'm kind of a surly, high-strung can be sort of grumpy at times person <laughs> smart ass like <laughs> so i i think you'll you'll find your way eventually but but not at this time you're still searching on yeah so we yeah. so things are going well enough though we're like we're getting you know we're doing different things we're, we're booked every show um and eventually like that first year we get you know we get built up that you know i remember i was driving where the hell was i driving i was driving to a show i think in connecticut or something and Bruiser texts me. He goes, "Did you see?" And, and th- like we'd already wrestled. Like we got the match in Lowell. Um, I'm jumping ahead a little bit. We got the match in Lowell with um, um, with uh, and Gobernables. Yes, yeah, with Lij. Like so, I knew when we were getting matches like that. Like somebody trust us, you know. I know, and obviously, like part of it's like you know, I know Fat Pants is working his ass off pushing because he's a big fan. I mean, obviously um, you know my relationship with him but he's also a big fan of bruiser um and we had silas with us too so but to get up to, that they're gonna put you in, in in the ring with these guys from new japan they, they gotta trust you like they know so i knew i knew it was working i knew they had trust in me i knew they had faith in me i wasn't ever in fear of like they're gonna pull by the time we were getting into the summer and stuff i was feeling pretty confident like you know that that they you know i mean they're flying me you know, i got flown to vegas they're bringing me to all these shows all over the damn place you know in vegas we work with you know um motor city machine guns like so it wasn't you know they're, they're putting us with a lot of top teams we had a little feud with coast to coast like they're doing stuff with us so i felt good and then i think i think i was driving like a show in connecticut and bruiser texts me and goes uh and I, yeah yes i guess i was texting and driving so uh Ooh. sorry um he goes, did you see our match for Philly? And I said, no. And he just sends me the graphic. And it's the three of us against the Bullet Club. 
for the six man tag titles. And this, by the way, this show takes place a week before the taping was a week before All In. So yeah, Cody um, and the Bucks. Yeah, Cody and the Bucks. So I just I was holy shit, like it's on. And then um, sometime in between there, we kind of get the word like, hey. Uh, Silas is uh, Silas is leaving you guys, and you guys are turning babyface. Um, you know, at that at that taping. Um, so like that was the beginning of our babyface turn. So that told me too, like, okay, now they see something else. They see something in us. They're doing something with us. They're, they're actually giving us a turn. Um, you know, they're putting us with the top act of the freaking company, which was that in itself was that was fucking awesome. Like to, those guys were on fire. So to you know to to be in the ring like when they're making their interests. I mean so that's what that cool thing in wrestling. If you're working with somebody who's really over, to be out there to to hear their reactions, like that's you know that's pretty cool. And those guys were all like they were awesome to call the match with, like super easy. Um, you know, um, it was it was a great experience. Get the get the main event, you know, the old ECW arena with the at that point one of the hottest acts in pro wrestling. Um, you know, so it was it was really cool. I look back at that; it's one of my fondest memories for sure. Uh, Ring of Honor, and that's when Silas left us, and we turned. You know, we were turning babyface because they um, they saw more potential in us uh, with that. So that's when we started spitballing the ideas like, do we come from the bar? Do we enter from the crowd? Drinking, you know, drinking the beer. The whole that's that's where all those ideas kind of started at uh, at that point. I know that you're more comfortable as a heel. So being told you're turning a baby face on this, you know, on this, you know, national TV platform, was that uh, harrowing for you? No, I was excited. I was too excited to be worried about it. The only thing, like I said, the only thing that I ever kept struggling with was, and it was consistent feedback, especially early on, was like, be more like Bruiser, be more like Bruiser, because, you know, and I was just, you know, I, I didn't always agree with that direction, but it was one of those things where I just, I didn't fight for it, I just did my job, I just did what was asked of me, and sometimes I feel like I probably came across a little bit as, like, an imitation, or, you know, um, you know, like, secondary. Yeah, um, Bruiser Jr., yeah, yeah, which is not, it's not his fault. You know, he wasn't the one giving me that direction. I just, I'm just a different, very different personality. So some of it, I think, probably, especially early on, came across like cheese ball. You know, like it was just very corny. Um, but it was working. Um, now- you know, it was, it was working. We were, we were starting to get over. Um, everywhere we, you know, when we were doing the entrance over and over again, so our music would hit, and they changed our music. They changed it from the beginning of it. it that it didn't initially start with the beer, beer, beer. Like that was that was actually Joey Mercury who said it needs to start with this, and he had them edit the music because uh, that was more like you know forty five seconds into the song. So now like people would just you could start to see like people are looking for us now. Like people are looking for our uh you know, where the hell are we coming from? Um so we had started to you know we'd started to get really over. Um you know we they brought out a t shirt for us that did that did pretty well. Um so you know at that point we were in we were in Florida um and um what the hell did we do that night? I don't even remember what the hell we did that night. But um, we get pulled into, you know, we get pulled into a room with, uh, Bubba Ray and Joey Mercury, who were both working there at the time and they're working creative and, and obviously have a lot of pull in the company and they, so I don't know why we're getting pulled in. Like, I don't know what the hell's going on here. Like, I'm just like, you know, 
clueless, thinking we're getting in trouble or, or some shit. And um and they they tell us like, hey, we're gonna we're gonna pull the trigger on you guys. We're gonna we're gonna push the shit out of you. You're getting over. Uh, we want to make you the top babyface tag team in, in the in the company. So I was like, holy shit! So now I'm really excited. And then and then comes the then comes the the caveats. Oh. The uh, uh, but you're not you know we we gotta find we we're, we're not gonna be calling you Brian Malonis anymore. We're gonna I you know it's gonna be Bruiser and Brawler. And I just was like in my head it's just like fart noise like because that <laughs> i fucking hated that name from the start from the moment i heard it i thought it was corny and stupid and it, again it made me feel um I, it felt like an imitation i get it they were trying to do like you know the crusher and the bruise you know dick the bruiser and the crusher like i, I get it like i got it but i thought we just could have been bruiser and, i thought they could just drop my first name like we could just been bruiser and malonis um and they could have just announced us you know that way because it didn't always say. I don't think Bobby Cruz always. Well, maybe he did always say the Beer City Bruiser, but we just could have been Bruiser or Malonis. But when I heard Bra, but I was so damn excited anyways. I'm like, whatever. Like you want to call me Brawler? That's, you know, that's fine. I hated it though. I thought it sucked. <laughs> so every time I called you the Brawler on the podcast, uh, you were secretly uh, cursing <laughs> me. My, just grit my teeth a little bit, you know. Like well, I basically, I basically knew you didn't like it, and I kind of <laughs> yeah, I'm anyway. sure I told you. I'm sure I told you at some point. Yes. Uh, yeah, yeah. I, I didn't, I didn't like it. All. I just thought it was corny as as all hell. Like you know, I just thought it was cheesy. Um, but you know, it was, it was, it was working well though. You know, it was. We were getting over. Um, I don't know if I'm skipping around. I know I sent you like a list of things, but uh, I don't know if I'm skipping over things. But yeah, let's let's get into. The Austin Aries story. Oh, I did. So this is when we're still heel. Oh, okay. So yeah, yeah, yeah. So I mean, it's worth telling. It's a good story. Um, just kind of shows, like, I don't know. You know, I, I didn't enjoy my dealings with Austin Aries. I'm sure. I'm sure the internet mobs aren't going to be coming for me if I if I make Austin Aries look unfavorable. <laughs> um, <laughs> but uh, I didn't. And truth be told, I didn't have like a lot of personal interaction with him. I just so he. This was in Chicago. And um, we were supposed to be heavily involved in like a TV angle that was going to lead to a pay-per-view match. It would have been my first ever pay-per-view match. Some sort of like six-man thing with like Silas and uh, Kenny King would have been involved and Austin Aries would have been involved. And I forget who else. But it's just like all this like politicking and, and rigmarole like the whole afternoon about it and, you know – people wanting belts and people wanting title switches and other people not. And it was just like this whole goddamn thing. Um, so, you know, through all this, like who's left in limbo? Cause we're the least important people in the, in the equation at this point, it's me and bruiser. So like we got told we were doing like these different things for TV. We get written off of TV. <laughs> so we always, we, we, they flew me out to Chicago to do, uh, you know, this was after the after the Lij match in Lowell. I went yeah. to. They flew me out to Chicago, and we did a friggin' pre-show match, which was awful. It was awful. Not not our fault, might I add. I don't want to bury. Uh, you know, I don't even actually don't even remember the dude's name. Come on, who, this is the burial podcast. I I don't. Uh, you know, I don't even remember the dude's name who fucked up the match so bad. Um, it was a tag <laughs> team match, and not they a didn't, signed guy. I take it. No, and it didn't even it didn't even air. It never even got aired on uh, on their YouTube. Local fella, yeah. 
so we got written off of TV, and it also wrote us off the pay-per-view. So, you know, Austin Aries for all his, like, you know, whatever he was fucking politicking for at that at that that day. And it was, like, constant. Like, it ended up with me and Bruiser getting, you know, we didn't even appear on TV for, like, a month because we were doing monthly TV tapings. So we didn't appear on TV for a month, and we were off the pay-per-view. So just it was just really shitty, like, you know, to me it was, like, a really shitty selfish thing. Um, you know, he, so you're you know, supposed he was, to be involved with him. He was supposed to be part of a six man team against you guys. Yeah, and yeah, we were supposed to have like a big fucking run in and a schmoz on the TV, which was going to lead to a six man tag on the, on the pay-per-view. And it just ended up being like a singles match on the pay-per-view and a singles match at, uh, at the TV taping. Cause that was just like the simplest thing to appease. And like, just cause I mean, this is like, you're talking like this, this was ever changing the entire afternoon. Like you're talking, you know, we get there at one o'clock or whatever. And I think, I think maybe an hour before, um, maybe like, maybe no, nah, maybe like 30 minutes before doors open, we finally get told like, yeah, you're just doing the pre-show match. So, mm. Okay, there's another story I have uh, here. Somebody told me, as they say in like Johnny Carson, you know, somebody yeah. told me that uh, there's a story with uh, Marty, uh, Marty Scroll, uh, Dalton Castle, oh. Punishment Martinez. <laughs> yeah, this is also when we're still healed. Yeah, you got to keep us on track here, buddy. I don't have the list in front well, of me. I didn't want to interrupt. You were, you no, were it's okay. rolling so, into. We're in Col- uh, we're in Col- this, is, this is a story why Dalton Castle and, and uh, uh, Punishment Martinez, Damian Priest, are just like. I'll never say a bad word about either of those guys, and this this tells me their their character, the level of their character. So we are. I'm, this is very early on in my tenure. It's a Columbus, Ohio, from a Columbus, Ohio. <laughs> Frankie, yeah, Frankie Williams, yeah, Frankie Williams. I, I wish he was there to see mm. it. But there was a spot in the match. So it was this big, I think I was like just managing or something, and there was a spot where like uh, Marty Scurll was supposed to hit me in the back with his umbrella, and this this fucking guy wraps his fucking umbrella and i i have a great relationship with marty now like uh, you know like i I shouldn't say that too loud or whatever i ended up getting (laughs) along with marty um you know i wasn't like adversaries with him or anything um you know um i I don't feel like talking about the marty scroll controversy that's his that's his cross to bear not mine yeah um but um he fucking wraps that umbrella just like around the back of my fucking head, the back of my skull, Mike. Whoa. Um, and I like, and I, 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 so the whole spot was he hits me with it in the back and I, I no sell it. And then like, whatever I get, like, I think I get like low bridged out or something. So he hits me in the back of the fucking head with this thing. And I'm like seeing stars and I still have to like no sell this and like do a spot. So, I get to the back and the first person I see is Chris Daniels. And he's like, Jesus, are you okay? Um, and I was like, yeah. And then Taven comes over. He's like, and Taven's hot about it too. But what the hell am I going to do? Right? Like I, I know I like, I, I yeah. at that point wanted to find Marty and, you know, ring his fucking neck. Um, because I but just, you're you in know, a show to show now. You're not on the yeah. contract. Here's yeah. this guy in the bullet club. One of their yeah, top acts, exactly. one of their top paid guys. Um, you know, and he, he he didn't come and apologize. I can tell you that he didn't come seek me out uh, to apologize afterwards. Um, but both Dalton uh, and and Punishment went and confronted him and stood up for me because they knew they knew the position I was in, and I can't 
I can't say shit to anybody. Like yeah. if I if I go, even if I'm completely in the right, if I go confront him and cause an issue, I'm gone. I'm not there anymore. Um, so both of them went and like had my back, and that meant a lot to me. That just shows me the the type of um, the type of people um, you know Dalton and and uh, you know punishment are um, just friggin' a a plus you know stand up guys in my book. Um, you know, I didn't spend a ton, I didn't spend a ton of time around punishment. Um, Dalton, I did. We hung out a lot and, and on the road and stuff, but uh, just top notch guys. And so, you know, we're we're leaving or whatever, and uh, I just go, you know, I go find Marty. You know, I'm just making my rounds or whatever, and uh, and he kind of goes, "Oh, you okay, mate?" And I go, "Yeah, I'm good." He goes, "Okay," and that was it. <laughs> Never apologized. Nothing. Um. So, what's the point of that though? Because I mean, like you said, you have to no sell it. So if he destroys you with it, you're friggin' yeah. Superman. Well, he could have destroyed me with it, like in the back. Yeah, you know, it's not like it's not like I'm not a small guy, right? Like I'm not a, I'm not a, I'm not a small guy. Like it, you got to have pretty bad aim to miss my back. And I don't want to. I, I, I'm not going to say it was done on purpose or anything like that. Like that's not a fair. That's not a fair thing to say. Like it was done on purpose because I don't, I don't know that it was or think that it was or anything like that. But uh, it just, it really sucked and was really shitty. And and you know, I, I've, you know, I, I've been in positions where guys have gotten hurt in the ring before, and whether it's your fault or not, whether it's an accident or not, like you just gotta, you know, you should be there checking on the person and apologizing, and we're all in it together. And um, you know, it, I wasn't happy at all about. Uh, about that, you know, but I, again, yeah. what made me feel good coming out of it was that people there had my back. So that also told me like a, one, a couple of things, right? Like I'm surrounded by some really good people. And also I, I've, I've made positive impressions on people where two guys on the roster who are involved in the match, um, you know, thought, thought enough of me to go to one of the top acts in the company and Hey man, what the fuck? Like, so that was that meant a lot to me. That that, yeah. that that one meant a lot to me. So you're talking about you know the starting to find your way in the locker room, but the locker room changes drastically once uh, around this time <laughs> when uh, yeah. you know the elite take off. So what was that night like? The last night for uh, all the guys in the elite leaving. Yeah, I mean it was a it was a fucking it was a weird vibe because everybody kind of knows right for a while there we're all like getting strung along like everybody's on hold um you know uh everything's on hold nobody knows are they coming are they staying we're here you hear these crazy rumors of the money they're getting offered and uh and then it comes to yeah they're they're gone they're you know they're leaving it was it was the t- a tv taping in philly um you know the la- was there last night and it was just a super weird it was a super weird vibe because you know, you have all of us that are staying and then you have these guys that, you know, are all leaving. Cause it wasn't, I mean, it wasn't just Cody and the bucks and page. It was SCU was leaving, you know, as well, you know, there were, the, you know, they weren't, it wasn't just, it wasn't just those guys. And, uh, you know, some of them like, you know, it's so like Frankie Kazarian I'd become, I'd become pretty close with. So I was really bummed to see, you know, to see, to see Frankie, you know, Frankie going, um, I really like Scorpio sky, really, really freaking good dude. I, I like, you know, I, I liked Cody in the Bucks. Like Cody, I think was you know he was a weird guy sometimes. Like at, at one point, I'd heard like 
he was all upset about like not being included in the locker room or something. But they would always sort of change on their. They, they would never like say people couldn't change with them. They would just all find a place where they could all change together. And I think it kind of turned into different stories, or people would just get, you know, pissed off or whatever about it. But I never took it like they were. They were always approachable. Always like willing to chat or hang out when we worked with them. They were great and giving. Like I thought they were all all good guys and all good guys to be around in the locker room. Um, yeah, I think some people though were you know were more pissed than I was about that situation and how it was going down. So it was a weird vibe. It was a it was sad. There were some people angry about it. Some people who's you know the company's negotiating with those guys and everybody else is being put on hold. Um, and now they're abandoning the company. Sort of thing is like the way people are feeling. So it was a, it was a weird vibe, um, you know. But uh, I genuinely I genuinely enjoyed. You know, uh, I wasn't like super tight with any of those guys, but I always approachable, always like willing to have a conversation. If they saw your match, you know, and somebody saw her, they'd be willing to give feedback. Um, I don't have a bad word to say about about any of those guys, but it was definitely a time of transition. And then everybody's just they're just writing Ring of Honor off at that point. It was like, well, the company's dead. Like Ring of Honor is going to die. Like that's it. Um, so well, I mean, was, like I mean, I. Going to like that show you're talking about in Lowell back in the day, just I was I just remember driving past the Lowell Memorial Auditorium trying to find parking, and just every other shirt you see was a Bill Club shirt. It, they were just yeah. they were pushed so hard to the very top, and even like on the way out. I mean, you said you wrestled them like a week before they left. I mean, they weren't putting you over. Oh, we, it was right a few. Before, it was a few months before they left. But oh, okay. Yeah. I thought you said it was right before they left. Oh, it was before All In, but they didn't leave until you gotcha. know. Well, like, after yeah, that, yeah, All In was yeah. an official AEW show, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, All In was. A, I mean, it, it was a Ring of Honor show. I mean, pure yeah. and simple. That's that, that. That's why. That's why Ring of Honor always owned the footage to it. Um, yeah, I mean, yeah. I think all along. I, I mean, they were booked like the NWO, right? It's it's no different. I I thought. You know, they would just beat everybody. Like the, the worst part, I thought, was when they tried to. When, and I was just starting with the company, and they were booking them like they were. They always, they all wanted to be heels, but the crowd would just cheer them, and they would just job out the baby faces all the time. <laughs> it was just like these guys are baby faces. Like you know, they're, they're acting like dicks, but the crowd loves them. See, NW, it was the NWO. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I mean, they you know, I think on their way out, they all did the job, but leading up to it, you know, they were you know. It wasn't like they put a series of guys over for months on end. You know, yeah. they were they were on the very top until it was time to leave. So, but that was you know they were still negotiating with the company, which you know that's not my. I don't know. You know, you hear rumors or you hear I hear the same shit that gets reported in the dirt sheets or that and that. You know, they knew they were leaving. They were still negotiating with the company, and they knew they were they knew they were long gone. Is you know. Yeah. shit that was said i don't i don't know the validity or truth to that but you know um, so so what is the vibe on the very next show when all those guys have cleared out yeah i think i think for us it's you know it's us against the world sort of sort of mentality at that point it's like everybody's everybody's you know everybody's fucking writing us off at at that point um you know so for you me, feel like the it, locker room came closer together it was. I mean, it was. It was already a close locker room. Like yeah. uh, you know, the, the the guys that left were probably the ones that really weren't like. Again, I don't. Want, again, they weren't like they. They were never p- hanging out with everybody else. Would like always hang out together and things like that. They were never like hanging out with us. They all. Had, they definitely had their own thing going on. Um, but 
Yeah, I, you know, to me, the thing I always said was I looked around and I saw Jay Lethal and I saw the Briscoes and I said, we're going to be just, you know, we're going to be just fine. You know, I, I had, you know, we saw the relationship with New Japan. Uh, they brought in a number of guys, you know, right then and there. They brought in, um, you know, Juice Robinson and Tracy Williams and Mark Haskins, Bandito. Um, you know, they definitely tried to fill the roster. Um, uh, what the, Tennille Dashwood, they they had brought in at that point. Um, so they were definitely trying to, you know, fill up the roster with, with people. Um, but for me, it was like, well, shit, we got an opportunity here now. That's That wasn't. That wasn't maybe there. That wasn't maybe there before, as yeah. well. You know, we got a chance now. You know, because they, you, know, you figure there's, you know, right off the top, there's eight guys that are all at the top of the card that just left the company. So it's shit. Let's go now. You know, there's no excuses at, at this point. Like the, the the deck is cleared. Go make something of yourself. Um, so, but yeah, that taping was. Uh, it definitely was. I was, you know, you know, oh, just business as usual. But it wasn't. It was. It was definitely a different vibe. And but I think everybody had a chip on their shoulder. I mean, I remember specifically Kenny King really fucking like you know, you, you know, firing guys up and um, you know Kenny Matt Taven, um, you know Jay Lethal's always more of like a quiet leader. You know what I mean? Like he's you know Jay's not a rah rah guy, um, but just quiet confidence in him. The Briscoes, you know, the way they are and stuff. Like it just. It, all of us that were there didn't have fear that the company was going under. I, I I don't think there was a guy in the locker room that was sitting there worried that we weren't going to have jobs in a couple months because these guys were going to put us out of business. If anything, it was like, you know, fuck you. Yeah. You know. So that conversation that you had with uh, Bully Ray and Joey Mercury, we'll pull the trigger on you guys. Did that come with uh, a contract offer or when did that contract come? <laughs> no no so that conver- I, I may i may have been telling that shit out of out of out of um because that conversation happens after i'm signed oh um, okay yeah 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 so um now those so the dust settles and these guys are, are gone it's funny i saw these emails today that i had with the gm greg um i forget what Cornette called him <laughs> but uh, yeah for the- for office boy Merch or something board, right? yeah, uh, uh, yeah office boy so, yeah. yeah office boy greg um I always had good dealings with Greg. I know there's a lot of people that talk shit about him, but I always had nothing but professional, great discussions with Greg. Um, so I, it took a lot. So I I, uh, I emailed him and I asked him if I could have a meeting. Uh, I could have a meeting with him because I, I wanted to talk, obviously, about contract and stuff. And you know, now we're going into like January. It's we're into the new year already, and so finally, you know, get get to schedule. Uh, um, schedule a call with them, and um, you know, and, and it's one of those things where you, if you ask for a meeting with somebody, you got to be the one to lead it. You know, you can't get on the call like him and hawing and like you know. Yeah. So I just got right into it, and I said, um, you know, I said, Greg, I said, you know, I've been with the company now, working on a per night for, um, you know, a year now, and I did stuff in you know 2017 as well um i you know i kind of just laid out like you know i think we're getting over like i think things are going well for us and i i said i believe i have earned the opportunity to have a ring of honor contract and he goes you are absolutely right here's what i can do and which wasn't it wasn't a great figure it wasn't a great number um you know but well, you I know, bruce pritchard this you're not going to give the number i mean my 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 first contract was 300 a night yeah, uh, which is not a lot of money. Which is not 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 a lot of money. And it's uh, it's good money for you know 
it is. Larger yeah. and, they, and, they, yeah. and they're not like WWE. Like you don't like they cover. I had to pay for food on the road, but hotel and um, airfare and the car rental and stuff like they paid for that. Like they they took care of everything. So they, you know, for all do the much shit better that, than you do in the indies. Yeah, absolutely. And and now also my you know my price goes up on the indies. Um, yeah, because because of being with Ring of Honor for so long. But um, yeah, um, I said of course yes. I said that sounds great. And I hung up the phone and I I fucking cried like a baby. <laughs> because it had taken, you know, here we are. I think that's 28, 2018, no, 2019. It's January, so probably 2019. Yeah, 20, 2019. And I'd started in 2001 and uh, finally, you know, get a contract with a TV company in pro wrestling. It was a long, it was a long friggin' road. Um, in, a, in a weird way, it's validation, right? Like, you know, you, people say in life, oh, you shouldn't need validation or whatever. No, sometimes you... You need some some fucking validation. You know what I mean? Like you need some validation sometimes, and uh, that was validation of like the hard work and you know uh, all the shit we've kind of endured over the years in, in pro wrestling. So it felt it felt really really friggin' good to uh, to finally get that. You were probably one of the outside of my family. You were probably one of the first people I told. I'm sure. I'm sure you knew that day. I'm sure I texted you that day. I don't remember oh, yeah, specifically, so, yeah. but. I think I texted you that day. So it was, uh, yeah. I mean, it wasn't a lot of money, but I didn't care at that point. I had a contract. I knew I was going to be around. For the first time in my career, I knew where I was going to be for for the next year, you know. So And, and I didn't have any guarantee. Like, you know, there's no guarantees in that deal. There was no guarantee to dates. It was just, this is what we'll pay you. And, but the, the, the what it does lock you in with a ring of honor is they really wouldn't push guys unless they were under contract, especially after every, like half the goddamn company just left. Yeah. They were real skittish. So if you didn't have a contract, you weren't getting any sort of push. So, and that's that. Then that conversation with Bubba Ray and Joey comes. Um, I want to say it's like March. So I signed in like January. Excuse me, I, I signed in January, February, and then that conversation comes in in March, and then we're just sort of kind of off to the races from there with um, with the Kingdom. You know, we start doing that stuff with the Kingdom. So in March, that's when the uh, show that you really rarely talk about uh the show at madison square garden that one that, oh was that? yeah yeah that that show oh that little, i forgot about that show that little soiree that. <laughs> yeah so that was one like i didn't you know and of course like until i got that contract like you know that's looming you know i'm like oh my god like i want to be i would give anything to be on the show yeah yeah um and then i get signed or whatever and we're still unsure and then you know nobody's telling us anything and then we kind of found out officially when we got sent the Madison Square Garden graphics um with me and Bruiser like over the garden uh, holy shit we are booked for you know we thought we would be but it was one of those things like I don't want to I don't want to jinx this I don't want to you know I don't want to friggin um I don't want to do anything to like jeopardize this or jinx this, but yeah, yeah, it was man to I you know it's funny like I'd always said to myself when I first got into pro wrestling because uh, I'd never gone to the garden for a show or anything, and then when I got in the business, I said oh, I'm I'm never gonna go there unless I'm booked, and then I uh you know then whatever you know that was a failure for a lot of years of my career, <laughs> you know, indie <laughs> indie indie superstar in the Northeast. And um, I almost went to a house show, and then like I think we were supposed to go with you or something, and then our plans fell through or something. We was like me, That's you, and right. an adult Mark were talking about it, and 
Yeah. It just didn't happen. And then they get booked for that and you just start to kind of um you know, you start to kind of think about like, oh my God, like I I said this and I did it. And then I mean with this came a lot of emotions and like because I knew like I knew this was gonna be a one time deal. I knew I'd never get back to the garden. Um, you know, so now it's like oh, how do I get my family tickets? How do I get different people there? Um, you know, because it's just a battle royal for me, but for you know, it's um, that's all you know. So, for the fans watching at home and stuff, it's I'm a random ass dude in a battle royal that nobody remember. For me, it's a it's a lifetime, you know, um, memory, and you start to think about everything you've gone through, everything you've uh endured. Um, I started to think about like, um, you know, the people that weren't there, you know, like my dad and stuff who had been, you know, um, my dad was uh, my biggest cheerleader in my career. Uh, I remember I had a conversation with my dad, and, I, and it really, it really made me think about uh, this time. It really made me think about the conversation because I was, I don't know, it was like uh, maybe it was around, um, maybe it was a little bit around the time like Kirsten was born. I just was really feeling like a failure. Like I, I pursued this and I failed, and I felt like a, I just always felt like a loser, you know, because I just didn't, I fell short of my dreams. And my dad was just kind of like, you know, what do you mean? Why do you think you're a failure? And I was just like, well, because I didn't, I didn't make it. And he's like, you're, and he just kind of the gist of the conversation was like, you're, you're a success because you had the courage to pursue it. Most people have a dream in life and they don't even, they don't even pursue it. It's just a dream. And he's like, the fact you're a success just because you even had the courage to pursue it. So I thought a lot about him and that show. It was that day? It was just like it was. I felt I feel bad for Steph and the kids because I was not fun to be around. Um, like the day of and the day before and stuff. Like I was just uh, I was stressed out and nervous and like um, you know. And then you know, then I get there right. So I get to the building and I don't I don't know what I'm doing. I think I'm just probably you know going to go in the battle royal and I don't know. Maybe me and Bruiser will do a beer drinking spot or some shit. Or I figured the other you know what I actually thought they were going to do is the demolition spot. Where one and two, yeah, we fight each other or something, yeah. Uh, But then I get you know, I get there and it's like, no, you got a spot with Liger, you got a spot with Fale. It's like, whoa, wait, what? Hold on, spot with Liger, wait, what? (laughs) Like, um, you know, so it was so it was so freaking cool, man. Like, to just I remember, like, I I get to the arena and I and um, I just walked out and I just went and sat in one of the chairs just by myself, um. I was on the first, like they had different bus time. I was on the first bus over. I wanted to get to the arena. Um, I just wanted to get there and be yeah. there as much as I could. And just looking up, looking up at the place. And then I started like exploring the hallway. So now I'm trying to find, you know, they got the shot of Hogan coming around, you know, at, at the garden. You know, he's doing, I think, I think it's the night he won the title, maybe. Vince like, at the, the curtain. Yeah. 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 So I went and found where that was and I, I, I walked it just to be a fucking, you know. <laughs> It was just, it was awesome. It was like you know you get so for some of these guys you know we had like you know PCO on the card and he's you know we were talking to him you know it's like you know he's worked the garden friggin a million times over so for him it was just another night at the garden you know for me it was that's the pinnacle of my career like I'll never top that I'll never get back I'll never I'll never wrestle in the in the Madison Square Garden again like it's uh so um so I, I get it together and I just got like you know you just get to a point where it's just like okay it's just pro wrestling and I got like hyper focused and you know, ready for it. And, um, and then, uh, 
like I just uh, go out, do the spot, do the spot with Liger or whatever. I'm coming down the ramp. I, you know, the, those all those moments. Everybody tells you take a moment to soak it in. I actually did um, to walk down that ramp and look around and see you know seventeen thousand people and it's Madison Square Garden. I took a few moments there to like, holy shit, like this is this is pretty cool, and uh, get get in the ring and you know do my thing or whatever. And I remember I, I got eliminated. And uh, Carrie Silken sent me the picture. I got I, the pictures on my social media, and I'm just kneeling. And you were there. You were there, Mike. Yeah, uh, I got one of those special uh, friends and family tickets. <laughs> yes, you did. <laughs> um, and I'm just kind of kneeling at like the um, the bell table, you know, where Carrie and Bobby Cruz sit. I'm just sort of like, because I don't want to leave. Like I don't want to. I don't want to. So I'm just taking a moment to just sort of look at it all, you know, sort of one last time. And Carrie actually snapped a pretty cool. A pretty cool picture because I'm just trying to like you can see I'm just trying to hold on to it for a second there, um, and then uh, I, mean, I guess it's become a common theme me me crying like a baby. I I, I got to the back, <laughs> I got to the back and I just had to like find a uh, I had to get away from everybody because I just needed to come down from like the emotional high and then um, just just be in my feelings for uh, for a second you know. Um, but it was it was awesome. It was. The most surreal, unreal uh, thing in my life. Like, you know, I joke around to like, you know, me and Liger sold out the garden, but like, I, I did shit with Jushin Thunder Liger in Madison Square Garden, man. Like, that's fucking wild. <laughs> that's like, yeah, that wouldn't be on anybody's bingo card. No, no, like, and, and, and then I, you know, I, I think I pair that up with like the shit I did with Vince and Cena. It's like, there's not too many performers that I perform with all three of those guys at some point, right? Like, no, yeah, like, I, I, I'm, I think I'm I, on a pretty short list there. No, yeah. <laughs> I think that'd be a successful career. I would consider that. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. It was a really it was a really cool and special. The only my only disappointment for it is that me and Bruiser didn't get to do something together. They spaced us apart yeah. in the rumble. So that just would have been cool. Um but uh you know, especially like, you know, um you know, a lot going on personally then in my life too. So I mean we 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 can get into some of the things I'll talk about, some of the things I won't, but um you know, at that point, like my drinking's pretty out of control or starting to get really out of control too. And, you know, just, you know, it's funny, like life's, life's fucking weird, man. Right. You get, you know, I, I felt like I had my shit together personally for a long time, but my, but my wrestling career was shit. Right. At least I felt like it was, I didn't get to the places I wanted to get to. And then, you know, as my wrestling career starts really going well, like my personal life was just not, you know, not not great <laughs> not yeah. not not great um so um but it, that moment like man that was a perfect night that was that was something that was, i'll never forget that i'll i could live another hundred years and i'll remember i'll remember i remember that i vividly remember some people say shit like that's a blur like the day is sort of a blur but the moments like those are those are burned in my brains i can i can i can relive those you know vividly anytime i want which is so, nice yeah so there were stories kind of going into msg and coming out of msg like going into msg everyone's saying that the place was sold out basically on the promise of the elite <laughs> yeah. being there how, did, how yeah. did you feel about that i didn't give two shits like whatever <laughs> i mean it, it wasn't like you know there was all these things leading up to it they're like oh well they sold all the tickets but it's you know the place is going to be half full type of type of yeah. shit and that there wasn't an empty you were there there wasn't an empty seat in the place no, yeah. the crowd was going nuts all fucking night like those guys are all great performers no offense to any of them nobody that was at that show missed 
them not being there. I'm sorry. Like, they didn't. It was a great show, top to bottom. And coming out of the show, a lot of people talking <laughs> about how Taven was the wrong choice in the uh, <laughs> in the title match. Well, I mean, but that goes to not that that's behind the scenes stuff though should marty scroll have probably gone over in that match maybe maybe should have i don't know now it's I'm probably the, looking like the best idea in the world yeah i'm not the booker <laughs> but also he was playing hardball with his contract with them mm. so they're not they just lost all these fucking guys in january they're not going to put the title on somebody who may walk like they're not they're not going to and nothing for nothing for everything he fucking did for that company for all the hard work that he put in for what he's meant to that company matt taven fucking deserved that moment at madison square garden and i'm biased matt taven's my friend and i fucking love the guy i'm sorry he deserved that moment like you know and it was you know whatever people are going to armchair quarterback booking and all that stuff and it's really easy when you have no skin in the game to second second guess and say you would have done this or you would have known better. It's really easy from a couch or a chair or a computer to, to, to do that. When you have no skin in the game, your job's not on the line if it goes poorly, you have no financial stake in it, you're just somebody watching it. It's really easy to armchair court. It's no different than me on Sunday screaming at the TV at the Steelers coach. You know what I mean? Like, I got... This guy's job depends on the next defensive call he makes. My job, you know, I'm this idiot yelling at the TV. That's to me, that's the same shit. Matt Matt Taven deserved that moment at Madison Square Garden. And I, I don't, you know, and I'm yeah. biased. I'll admit you're right. I'm biased. I love the guy. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, speaking of Taven, the the feud with the Kingdom. Uh, Taven wasn't the part. Like, it was um, was it Vinny and um, yeah, yeah. We did and- get a really cool six man tag out of that though. That involved Taven. So it was. Uh, the Kingdom versus us and Jay Lethal, which was a that was a badass. I just watched that match back recently. I was like, man, I was moving real well and like I was feeling good. Like that's yeah. a really good match. I was really f- featured heavily in that match. But um, yeah, like we guess so we go into this feud with the with the Kingdom, um, and it gave us something to you know to do and to hold on to. It gave them something to do. Um, I I mean, if you want my honest opinion, I thought. I thought they could have put the tag titles in our feud and kept it off of the Briscoes and G.O.D. because that's a main event feud with or without the tag team titles. You don't need the tag team titles. But those titles in our feud, if we flip them back and forth once or twice, means everything to us. You know, like from now from now until you know, when we were done with Ring of Honor, we're former world tag team champions. So if somebody beats us, Fuck! They just beat the former world tag team champions. Like, um, but I feel like there's always like apprehension in Ring of Honor to really, you know, elevate new guys or whatever. Like, it was very tough to break through that ceiling. But that feud was fun as hell. Um, I mean, it's, calling the matches wasn't always fun. Uh, um, oh, yeah. I mean, like, so TK Orion, he was a pain in the ass with stuff sometimes. And I love we. I, I had a great time on T, with TK. He was a riding buddy of ours, and. You know, he was always, you know, I always enjoyed riding with him and 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 joking around with him. But put, putting matches together, him and Bruiser, because Bruiser, I love him, but he can be a little overbearing sometimes calling matches. So those two would just get going, and then me and Vinny would just be like, just sit twiddling back your and, thumbs. <laughs> yeah, there was one time where it's just like I I had to like walk away from it. Like I thought I thought Bruiser and TK were gonna like, it might have been like where the fuck was it? I don't even remember where. 
maybe like somewhere maybe toronto or something but i thought they were gonna like i thought they were gonna fucking fight man like i was like oh my god um but um yeah for us it it it, it led us into it gave us something to build to keep building our characters and um it, le- it led to a tag team title match um which was you know which is really cool um get to get to wrestle for the world tag titles against the briscoes and and lowell again in front of family and friends I've never been so blown up in a match in my life. That's probably arguable with considering, you know, the end of when I first came back from the pandemic, how awful out of shape I was. But um, we sprinted. I used to, I think you were there for that, right? Were you, there, were you there for that? Yeah. So we sprinted out like 12 minutes. And the Briscoe, like, if I think about Jay Briscoe, like, he'll, like, smoke a cigarette or whatever. And he's, like, putting it out as he goes to the ring. And he has the most insane cardio of any person I've ever been in the fucking ring with. Like, those guys, man, those guys are. I mean, you'd be hard pressed for me to, to find somebody better that I've been in the ring with and wrestled against. Like those guys are just on—they're they're just like they're on another level. I think the world of them. I think they're the best tag team in the world. I thought they were then. I think they are now. Um, you know, I I fucking love those guys. I have them so much respect for them. Um, I would wrestle them every day of my life for the rest of my wrestling career if I could. Um, and that match was fun as hell, and we had we had a blast with them. But um, but you could just see like our stock was sort of rising in the company. We're getting title shots now. We we build to a pay per view match, um, where you know um, where we were told we we're going to go over in the feud. Now that got all jumbled. TK got hurt, and then Silas was in the match and stuff. So, um, but it was it was nice to have a feud, have something featured on TV. We were getting a ton of TV time, and and it was like. It wasn't just like random ass matches. Like we'd get like these jobber matches like all the time. Now we actually had something to sink our teeth into. It was great. And that was was the match at Death Before Dishonor. Yeah, Death Before Dishonor uh, 2019. Um, which, um, yeah, the the barroom brawl. Only time in my life I've ever bled. <laughs> and you, didn't, in- you intentionally said you never. <laughs> would do it well i got on pay-per-view you know (laughs) (laughs) i'm not i'm not bleeding vfw halls you know (laughs) no offense to anybody who bleeds in vfw halls that's your personal (laughs) choice but my personal choice was to not do that and i did it on pay-per-view so so how was that match for you yeah i mean it was it was great i mean again though again you're talking about the 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 you know um two halves of the coin right again personal life not so great going into the biggest match of my career. So at at that point too, like my drinking is pretty fucking off the rails as well. Like, I think if you look at that match, like my face is like purple in that match, probably cause like blood pressure or something. <laughs> but, uh, how much uh, do you put on like the gimmick be contributing to that? I mean, do, do you put any, uh, not so much the gimmick, but like, I mean, you know, so you, you've known me now for fucking 20 years. Um, yeah, I was always a very, I was always a social drinker, right? Like yeah. you know, you go, you're in a social situation, you drink, and I, I would never have it at home. I'd never, yeah. Crack I, remember, it. I remember you making a big deal with that. Like, yeah, no, I would never, never have cr- it in the house. Yeah, yeah. I never, I never crack it at home. I never. It would just be like, oh, we're all having beers. All right, I'll get drunk with everybody. But you know, I got uh, with Ring of Honor, and we weren't on the road every week. But it was you know three out of five weekends. So now the party is, you know, the social drinking is now more frequent and become more free. now now it comes home like now i want it you know now i want it home plus you know again got some personal things going on so now you start drinking to just like mask that i'm, I'm banged up and injured you start to drink 
<laughs> for, for that. You know, you start to drink to mask feelings. You start to, you know, and it just kind of starts to spiral out of control where now it'd be like, you know, I'm getting, I'm getting drunk on like a fucking Wednesday night when I'm at home, you know, after the kids go to bed type of thing where I, I would never do that. I was just drinking, you know, so it really was like that, that particular Vegas trip. Um, so the pay-per-view was on a, was on a Friday. Um, so after, after that match, um, you know, I, I mean, we got we got fucking lit. <laughs> like we pulled like, uh, <laughs> yeah. you know, uh, Bruiser. I mean, Bruiser went to bed long, but Bruiser was never like part of like that whole scene. Like he would hang around for a little bit and then go to bed. Uh, so really, it was like me, <laughs> you know, with other, you know, with other, with other people. And um, I mean, that's the one. Like I remember, you know, there's like a big group of us sitting at the table. It's like 4 a.m., 5 a.m. like Vegas time. And my wife's texting me. She's like, "Oh, what are you doing already up?" And I'm like, oh, "I hadn't even gone to bed yet." And I, I'd been drinking like, you know, since, you know, since probably before the pay-per-view even went off the air, <laughs> really, if you want to be totally honest. Yeah. So, so then slept, you know, slept a few hours, had to wrestle twice on the TV taping um, that next day. And that's where I feel like shit started to turn. You know, I, I knew right then and there the next day at the, with the matches they sort of had us in. I was just like, wait, you just put us over on pay-per-view? And I thought, I'm thinking like, man, maybe we're going to go into a program with the Briscoes or something because uh, they were done with G.O.D. And no, I knew something was up. I knew something was changing because it was just like we were just doing some job matches and no mention of like our big win, no promos with the big win at the pay-per-view, no talk of like what's next for us. It was just, yeah, you have like these six-minute squash matches. Um, so then that night after that taping, so now I was up all night the night before drinking like a fucking maniac and, um, you know, we do the TV, TV tapings or whatever. And, um, you know, so I go shower and then I go find people to eat dinner with and I'm crushing beers and my flights are, by the way, it's like, it's like five thirty six o'clock the next morning, like Vegas time. So I just decided to pull an all nighter and I'm like, I'm just crushing booze i finally went up and got my stuff you know a little bit before my uber was coming and last thing i did was like chug two beers before i went to the airport i'm lucky i got through airport security um you know at that point because i was i was i was drunk as hell going to the airport and getting on the plane so i i can't believe they let me on and um you know, so I get on the plane. I remember it's like I don't even remember takeoff. I just remember when we landed in like Chicago, and I just felt like dog shit. I, ate, I, ate, uh, I don't know if it was lunch or breakfast with Taven and uh, and TK, and then uh, you know got back on the plane in Chicago to go land in Boston, and you know, luckily sobered up by the time I got to the airport, so I could try, so I could drive home. But yeah, my drinking was pretty was pretty off the rails at uh, at that point. Like it was it was bad. Not, we'll not, get, not the worst it would get, but it was bad. <laughs> yeah, we'll get into that further, I think, a little bit more down the line. Yeah. Um, but uh, the fact that you didn't have any plans really coming out of that pay-per-view, was yeah. uh, was was Marty Skrull already in place at that point? I think so. I think it was very – so, you know, we can talk about how that all – I mean, I don't know. I don't know. Whatever. I don't care. I'll just reveal stories at this point. What, what's the Do difference? Um, burial so, podcast. No, it's not, even, it's not even a burial. Oh. It's just like – so, you know, uh, the first TV taping of the year was always Atlanta. Okay. So we're coming out of all this stuff. That's September. We kind of go through the fall. We're just we're doing nothing. We're just doing fucking 
job matches or whatever, like where we're going up, or, or if we if we we can put like multi team matches, but we're rarely t- we're rarely taking pens or anything. Like it's clear we're like in this weird holding pattern where they're doing nothing with us, and we felt like we had all the momentum. But by the end of that year, it's like well we have no momentum anymore. It's all dead. Nobody remembers September at this point. Um, so we go to Atlanta. And we have the first TV taping of the year. And the next day, we're going to North Carolina. So we get to the building in North Carolina. And a report comes out. I think it's like Dave Meltzer or something. That Marty Skrull has re-signed with the company and is taking over as as the booker. So the word starts to spread very fucking quickly around, around the locker room. So you're um, in the locker room at this point when the yeah. news comes out? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember just talking to different people at that point. Like I did, I did not have a... I did not have any. I, I wouldn't say I had a bad relationship with Marty. I had no relationship with Marty. Um, I didn't think he was a big fan of ours, but I definitely had. I had no relationship with Marty other than just like hello, goodbye, um, and a, an, an umbrella mark on the back of your head. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so um, you know. So then, like people are now. There's some people fucking mad as hell. Um, it's it's like a weird vibe. So they call us all together. And, you know, um, they start the meeting and, and Greg kind of goes, well, I guess like the something along the lines of like, well, I guess the cat's out of the bag. So I'll have to talk about it now. And I'm just like, why this guy's our new boss? Why wouldn't you just told us this? Like to me, like again, it, to me and, and in my real life, I lead people. That's my job. Like I, I lead a team. You know, if you have news like that, I think it could have been something that galvanized us. It could have been something that brought us closer together. Hey, all these guys left last year. Marty stayed. Marty stayed. He's going to freaking help lead the company and blah, blah, blah. You could have, like, could have been a rallying point instead of this really fucking awkward, sloppy handling of this, of this transition. So, so you think that he had been in place for at least a show or two before that, and yeah. they weren't going to say anything. But the fact that this news came out, they were forced to say something. That's I'm not telling you that's how I think that I don't I don't know when he came in place. I can tell you right now. I feel like he had influence in the booking before the the beginning of the new year, and then. That's how it was handled, though, because we were in Atlanta the night before, and nobody told us the night before in Atlanta that Marty was the booker. So yeah. who's who's handing down like the Hunter? It was Hunter. Know. It was it was okay. just, as normal. It was always it was always Hunter. It was yeah. Hunter, and you'd get you know you get email outlines and shit like that, and then you get an agent at um, you know a lot of times like Bubba or somebody like that would be the agent of it, and you just go over it like that. So. Um, yeah, and then like word started to leak online. It was like, yeah, they felt like, oh, guess we have to talk about this now. And to me, I was just like, well, this guy's our new boss. <laughs> like, we probably should, we probably should know that. And I felt, I felt, I kind of felt. I mean, and and I know Hunter was feeling like he wanted. Hunter wasn't supposed to be the booker. He was supposed to be the executive producer, which is a very different job, you know, than booker. You know, of course, he would have creative influence as executive producer, but. You know, his job was really to be the executive producer. So he was wearing 15 hats. Like, I can't say enough good things about Hunter. Like, he was the hardest working guy I think I've ever freaking been around. Um, just cared so much, put his heart and soul into, into fucking everything. And there just wasn't enough, there wasn't enough time in the day for him to do everything that the company needed him to do. Like, it was just, you know, mind blowing to me how much he had on his plate. But I just felt felt kind of bad because I think it should have been 
it should have been more celebratory of like and and showing gratitude. It should have been a big fucking meeting on in Atlanta on the first night of the tour to just be like, hey, here's what the deal is. Thank you, Hunter. Like instead of this haphazard, sloppy meeting where it's just like, yeah, he's this guy's the fucking Booker now. So like it was so. Just I I mean, if you want my true opinion, it was poorly, it was very poorly handled. Like the transition, where it could have been to me, it could have been really something galvanizing. But I think it, I think it probably speaks to, you know, not everybody had a great relationship with Marty in the locker room. So I think it was one of those things. Like they, they were probably afraid of what the, what the real, rea- what the full reaction would be, and. You know, I don't know what their ultimate plan was to reveal it, but I know it wasn't to reveal it that weekend, and because it, it was just the manner it was d- done, because it leaked on the dirt sheets. So you're saying he was kayfabe Booker? They wanted to keep it that way. <laughs> yes, yes, <Just> much much <laughs> like somebody else. Don't know anything else, about I know. that. Don't know anything about that. <laughs> um, so I, I mean, I went up to him that night and was just like, "Hey, man, like uh, we don't even have a relationship. Obviously, now you know you're in charge." So I, I that was the first time I really probably ever advocated for myself of like you know. And, he, and of course, everybody's going up to him at that point. But yeah, I didn't give a shit. Uh, you know, whatever. Like, yeah, heavy lies the head. You know, is the way I kind of looked at it. You know, this is what you wanted. So you know, this is something like he negotiated as part of his deal to stay was to take over creative. Um, you know, so then we had. We, I think we only had like one more set of tapings after that, um, which was um, like Nashville and. Um, st louis and then we went on hiatus so what did he say that first uh when you went up to him eh, just lip service yeah, yeah 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 no we'll talk we'll talk we'll talk which i to be fair like you know i did talk to him a fair amount and stuff so you know he was always good at getting back to me and um i thought he dealt with me very truthfully very professionally so you know that's where like you know i started to feel a little differently about marty at that point as far as like Okay, like I can have a business relationship with this guy, you know, and uh, you know, and talking about those things. But still, they weren't doing shit with us, you know. We knew they're so we knew they were bringing in Session Moth, so we figured that we'd probably be doing something with her, Session Moth Martina. But like that, all that shit was like accidental, and it was us, you know. They want the only direction that we got. So I don't know if is is this the next thing on the list, Session Moth Martina? Yeah, well, yeah, well, kind of. Yeah, go for it. No, there's something else. Step in, and then then I can tell the Sister Moth stuff because that was getting fun. re-signed. Oh yeah, so yeah, so yeah, which I I got done early that year. So I got I did it in November. Um, and you were they, like January to January is is yeah. What you're- so, but I was so the negotiations definitely weren't. So I'll probably I probably won't talk money from here on out just because I don't want to. Oh brother, <laughs> I'll tell me I'll tell you off air, Mike, if you really want to know. But um. Yeah, I thought I thought we had done enough to earn like fully guaranteed exclusive contracts. Like I thought we had done more than enough at that point. So and the first contract, sorry, just to specify, the first yeah. contract was like uh, not the ironclad. This one you could still do indies, and you had to clear it through the company, right? Yeah, like, like yeah, the only thing you couldn't do was like TV stuff, right? Um, Although they did have a lot of very restrictive language in their contract. Like, I had to pull off a lot of indie shows or a lot of places I, re- I did regularly. Because in the contract, it said, like, you can't do iPay-Per-Views. You can't do YouTube. And I didn't – that first contract, I'm like, I'm low man on the totem pole. I can't ask for addendums, even though everybody streams now. Yeah. And I was very careful because I didn't want to get fired. In the second contract, I did get an addendum to 
to work, I could work anywhere but TV companies, even if it was like live streamed and shit like that. Like they, they understood the changing of the, you know, the, the way the world had changed. Um, so yeah, I went into it and, you know, with who, who did you speak uh, to? Greg, the GM, uh, always dealt, always dealt directly with Greg and, uh, you know, he's, he always had time to talk and again, pe- different people have different experiences, but I, I have nothing bad to say about Greg. I had nothing but great business relationship with him and, and, uh, you know, even talked to him personally. Like I, I had, I had nothing but a great relationship with Greg. So I know other people don't necessarily feel that way, but I, I, you know, I, I, I had a really good relationship with Greg. Um, but I was very, I was pissed off going, you know, at coming out of that, out of that first con, the first, um, talk we had because I'm going in with like, here's, you know, here's, Hey, I feel like I, you know, my pitch was like, we've done more than we've done more than anybody with less, right? Like we, you know, I felt like we had kind of gotten over by accident at certain points, <laughs> you know, like it was, um, so I, you know, and then to be told like, no, those are only reserved for very select few and we don't view that way. And, um, you know, we want you on, you know, sort of like we want you on the team, but you're not going to start, you know, like you're going to be coming off the bench, um, sort of thing. So, you know, he offered a number, which I, I said, no, in you know, and I, and I didn't have it. I don't, I mean, at that point I had no fucking leverage because I was still under contract for another two months. So, um, you know, I couldn't even I couldn't even talk to other companies at that point. You know, which Bruce Bruiser, you know, I, I think I think we probably could have talked to some other companies, and there might have been some interest. But, um, you know, I don't really know for sure. But, you know, I was like, no, that's you know, I kind of said like that's in, I went in with the expectation of this, and that's what you offer me. That's it was a very minimal raise, and I was I was I kind of said like I was offended by it. So we talked a little more. I threw out a number, um, you know, which he was. A little apprehensive on, but like okay, and then finally I was like, I, w- I just wasn't happy. It wasn't sitting well with me. So I said, "Hey, look," I said, "I'm, you know, I got a family, I got a wife. I want to go talk this over with her. I need to think about it, um, you know, because at that point, like, I'm working. You know, it was tough, man. It was it was tough working that damn schedule because I would, you know, I'm flying out on you know Fridays or Saturdays. I'm using all my all my PTO from my real job to uh you know to go to ring of honor shows and i would be taking like flights on early monday morning and i'd land in boston or something and i'd drive right to the office and work the whole day on like no on no sleep and stuff so the schedule was really it was really grueling yeah um so you know my thought was like shit if i can you know get a guaranteed deal for good money then i don't have to do that anymore (laughs) maybe i could you know find a part-time job and um you know, have wrestling be my main source of income, but I get, you know, I'm married. I got a family. Um, I, you know, I, I have a really good, like regular job. So I, you know, I couldn't just walk away from that for maybe you're going to book me every time and maybe I'll make a certain amount that, you know, it's just too risky. So, um, I kind of just went silent for like 10 days. Like I just went, we went on vacation. I didn't communicate with them. I didn't ask to, to come back to the negotiating table. That was my strategy. Like, I'm just kind of, I'm not going to say a word. Like if they want me, come get me. If not, then I, maybe I'll try to see what else is out there. Uh, I wanted to stay with ring of honor. Like I wanted to see that through. Um, but so finally he, he reached out to me. He's like, Hey, I really want to get this wrapped up. Can you talk tomorrow morning? It's like on a Sunday night. I said, yeah, so he came out with a with a really good offer, which was considerably more than I asked for, um, <laughs> <laughs> even. Um, 
so it was it was nice and nice. And at that point, I was like, it still wasn't guaranteed. Nothing guaranteed. It was still a per night. But you know, to get that offer of a per night when a couple years earlier, it's, I'm struggling to make seventy five bucks a night. <laughs> okay. I'll, I'll tell you this, Mike. It was it was north of ten times what chaotic were, was paying me per night. <laughs> Doing math in my head. Hold on a second. I need yeah. another minute. Considerably, uh, considerably north of ten times what chaotic was paying me uh, per night. So gotcha. figure that out. So um, so I agreed the terms there. Resigned early, and we got the deal. We got the deal done. So it was which was which was nice, right? Again. You know, that was the first time I actually felt like I could, I could actually negotiate and not just like take the first thing that came out of their mouth, you know. So, um, advocating for yourself. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Which a bit, I'm, it's funny. I was much more comfortable in the business dealings like that and advocating for myself than I ever was like advocating for myself from a booking standpoint, which yeah. I know probably makes no sense to people, but like. <laughs> So so there's there were no uh no little feelers that went out uh to any other wrestling not, entities not from not from my side cuz again I'm still skittish on that shit man I don't want to be breach of contract I don't want to get fired like I don't want to lose what I have I don't I also don't want to I also don't want to negotiate in bad faith I don't want to put a bad taste in anybody's mouth I don't want to burn bridges there well, may have a time on a tradition other, 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 you know, friends of mine who I may or may not have tagged with in Ring of Honor <laughs> may have been doing that, and you know, I, I do know, you know, that, you know, I'd like to think there was potential interest from some other entities if our contracts were to come up, but you not, didn't not, find out personally. Not the, not the big one. Not, not, not the big one. Uh, <laughs> no, not, not WWE. I no. see. Uh, so back to Session Moth Martina. She was coming over. Yeah, we like we knew her deal. We knew her gimmick or whatever. You know, she had very similar gimmick to us. So the only thing we got was like, hey, tonight's her first night, and this was in like Baltimore. I forget what the show was, but it was in Baltimore, and um, it's probably like it's probably like might have been like that free enterprise show. I think that's exactly what it was. That free enterprise show where they gave away free tickets and we filled the place, and they were just like, hey, it's her first night in the company. You know, film. You know, just film like a film something. That's all. All the direction we got. So we, you know, we came up with the whole thing where she, she, we're looking for our cooler and she drank all our beer, and like, wow, we need something to close this. We need something to close this. So I just got like, what if I'm just like enamored with her? What if I'm just like, what a woman? So that was the line. That was the line. And me and Bruiser came up with that whole. Bruiser came up with the whole like beginning of the skit, and I came up with the whole finish of it, and. um and that was the line, like, oh, what a woman. And then everybody's reaction to it was so both fans online and like people who've seen it, like was like, Oh, we gotta keep doing this shit. Um, so then we go on to the next tapings. Um, and that's where we there was a couple things in between that too, but we just kept we kept progressing and we kept shooting um the funny vignettes. We kept putting over that I'm like smitten with her and she doesn't have you know, she doesn't really have eyes for me. And really, like the like the like the real turning point um, for that, I think, was so we were in St. Louis. It was actually the last friggin' Ring of Honor show before the pandemic, and there's this. So we had built it up. We had built it up. She wrestled Angelina Love, and like me and Bruiser came, did commentary, and then came out, and like I go to like hug her, and then she like like stiff arms me almost and like goes and hugs bruiser and just the look on my face and i my twitter blew up like never before 
the, especially in my time Ring of Honor, the reaction for people online, the people rea- watching, people backstage, um, like it was just like, oh, we got something, we got something here, um, you know, and like you know, talking to Marty, and he's like. I, I want to book a friggin' wedding angle. Like I want, that's how far he wanted to go with it. Like he wanted to do a whole thing where like, you know, something where like, you know, it looks like she's going to marry bruiser, but then she ends up marrying me sort of thing. Like it was, it was a whole friggin' thing. It was good, man. Like it was, she's, she's, she's fucking awesome. I love session moth. Like I wish we could have seen that through and done more with her. I think she's super talented. She works hard. She knows her character very well. Um, that was just, it was so fun too. It was just so damn fun, um, just to do, which, you know, but it's, it sucks that we didn't get to see it through, but that led to like our, so that was the last show before the pandemic, which it was in which was funny. Cause like there was talk about it in the locker room, right? There's like, Oh, this shit going on. Like, eh, whatever. Nobody's thinking twice about it. Yeah. But that night for whatever reason, like we all ended up, um, like, I don't know, St. Louis, like, I feel like it's one of those towns I felt like everything was closed. So, like, literally the entire locker room minus, like, um, Villain Enterprises, <laughs> which, you know, conspicuous by their absence, Villain, Inter- <laughs> villain Enterprises. I mean, PCO gets a gets a pass, you know, because he, uh, you know, he's 50-something years old. So, he, he, uh, he, got, he always went to bed. He never hung out with anybody. He doesn't drink or nothing. But the entire, um, like, roster, crew members, ring crew, camera people, everybody. Like we all hung out and they gave they they had us they let us hang out in the lobby. We watched the show. We watched like, you know, the episode that was on TV that week together and just hung out like all all night and it was like it was so friggin' awesome. And it just like um kind of typified like what that locker room was and how close everybody was and um like how tight knit and it, it was a really great it was a really friggin' great night, man. Um so, and then, you know, we didn't know what was awaiting, you know, around the corner, you know, going right. uh, with the company. You know, I, I, I was, I had gotten to the airport through airport security in Boston. Um, to Vegas, right? Yeah. And uh, got the text message, hey, don't get on your flight. Shows are canceled. Like, and, and that, that changed from the time because I had left work early to go catch my flight. And I, I I texted um it was Merch Boy Todd, you know, uh who's a great freaking guy. He did so much to help everybody. Uh there's there's a there's a big there's a ton of people behind the scenes that nobody even knows that just did so much um for everybody. But I checked with him before I head to the airport. He's like, No, show's still on, man. Go, you know, go to the airport, board your flight. And I I I check my I check a bag, I get through security. And they get dunk it on your flight. So I'd like, ugh. I gotta like get have them retrieve my bag. And I was good though. I ha- I canceled my flights and they got refunds on them. So I saved the company some money. <laughs> Kept them going a little bit longer, I guess. Yeah, yeah. But uh, yeah, it was. You know, we never we didn't know what the hell was gonna happen. You know, it was just like you know. You know who, who the hell knew what was going to happen? You know, what a what a crazy time! All these times we're talking about is pre COVID, pre pandemic, and stuff. And now we're in such a different world. But at that point, like you know, the deal is very un is very unknown. You know, yeah. some of the guys went to Vegas. Like they had some people from overseas, like the uh, Vicky and Mark Haskins. Like they flew from flew from England to Vegas to just turn around, get on a flight, and go right back. Like because uh, they didn't want to get like stuck here in case something crazy happened. Didn't Bruiser get there or no? Yeah, Bruiser got there. So they all there's a bunch of them that went out and partied that night. You know, <laughs> that I I didn't make it there, 
but uh, a bunch went out and partied that night in Vegas. But um, yeah, and it just sucked because it just poured cold water on everything. Obviously that that we were doing, and you know, uh, for us, like the uncertainty is like, so we're per night. You know, we're making money per night. Well, there's no shows. How the fuck are we going to get paid? Mm. So the company paid us through all the dates through May. It was May or June. Um, so we had approached again, Greg, you know, about like, hey, we, you know, if, if nothing's going on, we don't get paid. Now, I, I, you know, for me, it wasn't like, like wrestling money for me was found money, right? I mean, it helped us buy a house. It helped us buy a car. It paid for vacations. It paid for frivolous shit. We never, even though I was making really good money at that point, like it, I never factored it into my budget. It never, it never, like if it, cause I just, you know, I think I'm probably just shell shocked from years of not making money that, uh, um, you know, it was just, I, this could be gone any moment. I don't want to count on this. I don't want to rely on this. So for me, it was less of a big deal as far as like, I'm like my mortgage was still going to be paid. The bills are still going to be paid. The kids were going to be fed. But for Bruiser, this is his livelihood. So we had to come up with something and we pitched the doing the, you know, they, they were having us do all sorts of different fucking things and they would pay us for them. But we were like, hey, what if we do a weekly, like, you know, shooting the shit at the bar sort of sort of segment on uh on youtube and they did they paid us they paid us our our nightly rate weekly which is pretty fucking good still um for all those months that you know after they paid us for the bookings that didn't happen and i think it was like finally like september you know that they brought us back and we did those weekly shows up and up till you know up till the friggin you know till we turned heel yeah, you were all over the place just doing all these, <laughs> yeah. YouTube, like playing Dungeons and Dragons and yeah, man, all a lot shit. of it. Hey, yeah. it paid the it paid though. It was good. It's good money. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> until it ran out. Yeah, uh, exactly. <laughs> so you came back in it was it September or October? Yeah, uh, and the ROH bubble. I think we talked about this in the last yeah. episode that we put together, but uh, it was I'm sure very different. Yeah, I mean, I mean, first of all, I'm like, I am like horrifically out of shape. Like, I've always been a big guy, but nobody, I think, could ever question like my cardiovascular shape. Like, I, I never get winded. I was always able to go in the ring, but at this point, like, you know, I put on a ton of weight, ton of weight. Um, I was drinking. Just, I mean, there were some weeks, Mike, where I got drunk every night of the week at home during the pandemic because just bored and depressed and. You know. Beer, or I know you were I, doing at this your point, wine I think I Saturdays. I switched over to wine because beer would make you feel bloated, and I, at that point, my tolerance was so ridiculous um, that I needed more. And beer, I, beer, I couldn't get drunk off beer because I couldn't drink enough beer to get drunk. Um, you know, uh, I mean, I'm embarrassed to say, but like, so I would get like those big bottles of like Yellowtail, like the it's like two and a half bottles of like regular wine, and I'd crush that. And then I would polish it off usually with a couple of uh, couple. When I say couple, probably five or six like um, like seltzers and stuff too. Afterwards, so the, the amounts I was drinking were just scary, scary fucking amounts. Like I'm lucky, you know, I'm lucky to be alive with some of the amounts I drank. Um, but at that point, I mean, I'm embarrassed to say what I got up to, but I'll just say it. I don't think I've ever said it publicly, but I, I got up to 521 pounds. Holy um, moly! Yeah. So, I mean, there's pictures. It's obvious how heavy I am. 
um, at these. You had to address it online at some point, right? You addressed yeah, it online. Yeah, so so I had a match, and this is like the second. This is before, like I think it was the last taping of 2020, and um, wrestled the kingdom, and the match was terrible. Um, thank God for editing. Even then, it was still terrible with the editing. I knew it was awful. I knew I was gonna. I, I felt like I was probably gonna be in trouble. I was like just distraught. Um, Mike Bennett, you know, fucking, I love that guy so much. Um, you know, he came and talked to me and I was just like, I was ready to like, I was like, I'm just going to quit. I just, I don't belong doing this anymore. I'm an embarrassment. And he just like, you know, he talked to me probably, we probably talked for an hour. Um, you know, Mike has a lot of, you know, he's been very public with his struggles. Um, and just like, uh, you know. He he just it meant a lot to me. Like I love that guy, and uh, you know the talk he had really, you know, probably helped save my life too. But I, I had to go. I had to go face. You know, I had to go face the boss. I had to go talk to Hunter. So like, yeah, Hunter wants to see you. And I was like, I thought I was getting fired, man. And uh, and it, Hunter didn't talk about the match at all, except for he's like, yeah, oh, we can edit that. He goes, Are you okay? Like, are you okay? Um. He cared way more about me as a as a human being um, than he did about the the match that I just fucked up that he had to now go work and edit, you know. Um, so that meant that meant a lot to me too, um, you know. So I definitely was. I, I continued to get in better shape. I never got into the shape I, I should have because I still, you know, I couldn't kick the drinking the drinking habit. But after that, like I gotten I had gotten in much better shape after that. I lost, you know, I got down. I got, you know, lost like 50, 60 pounds, um, you know, at that point. So a different, and I'd yo-yo back up and down in between the tapings and stuff. Cause I would just drink and fall off. And then I'd rally for two, three weeks going into the taping to get into shape, to shape, to, to wrestle. But it was not, it was not a banner time. You know, when I really started to get, you know, motivated and get better was when I started doing the pure stuff, you know, cause it like having singles matches, it forced me to, you know, all right. You gotta you gotta be in some yeah. semblance of of shape here, but still wasn't like you know I wasn't in a good frame of mind either. Um, you know, mentally just beat up and down, and um, but that that pure stuff really helped snap me out of it because I thought like I started to really think that this is my ticket. That's when I started to become like more aggressive with advocating for myself. I kind of got the philosophy of like I'm gonna ask for forgiveness, not permission. I started hitting the catchphrases and the promos and like, cause I felt like I had nothing to lose at that point. You know, I was kind of floundering anyways. So fuck it. You know, why not? <laughs> yeah. That whole, be- the whole best pound for pound, pure professional wrestler thing. Samoa Joe had just got released from WWE and I knew he was a pure former pure champion. So in my mind, I'm like, maybe if I just start saying this shit, if he comes back to Ring of Honor, maybe they just like, maybe there's like, he just comes out and chokes me out or something. Like, and I get a cool moment with Samoa Joe. Like, that was the whole, that was the whole <laughs> fucking idea, you know? Wasn't to be, though. Wasn't to no, be. No, no. But that stuff started, you know, that stuff started to get over. I thought that stuff started to get over. I know it pissed off some people in that pure division, you know? Um, I don't think Gresham was a big fan of it. I don't think Josh Woods was a big fan of it. Josh Woods like called me about it and he's like thought I was making a mockery of it, which I guess I sort of was, but not really. Like I thought my character was making a mockery of it, but I didn't think I was making a mockery of it. Like right, separation of fucking you know 
yeah. reality, fiction and reality. Like, yes, my character, Brian Malonis, is making fun of, like, you know, yeah, I can fucking be a pure wrestler, blah, blah, blah. But me personally, no, this was to me, I took it very seriously. And this was my, in my head, like, this is my chance. This was the opportunity of like, oh, fuck, I finally got a chance to get over in this company and do something. It's not, it was not to be. It was not to be. <laughs> that's no. the, that's ultimately like the I feel like the fucking with everything with that company man for us it was just bad timing on everything right we get the momentum rolling as baby faces the fucking booker switch you know Marty's lukewarm on us pours cold water on us and all the momentum stops we get more momentum rolling with the session moth Martinez stuff it looks like it's gonna line up for some good TV time for us fucking pandemic comes we turn heel all that shit happens i i think i'm gonna get fired from the company for being a fat piece of garbage <laughs> and um turns around and get the momentum going with the pure stuff and company goes out of business <laughs> so bad timing yeah uh so yeah the 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 zoom call uh to end it all <laughs> <laughs> oh yes when did, when did, you confused me i was like wait no this thing is still going i paid for the premium no <laughs> oh no <laughs> thank you yeah, by the way so we we, we would ha- it wasn't so it wasn't unusual for us to have zoom calls right like we'd have yeah. them before every bubble and they kind of go over guidelines and protocols and so you know they they go over the sort of the normal shit for the upcoming tv taping and then they go hey we need everybody who's not under contract to jo- to drop off the call right now like, well, what the fuck is this about? Um, so you know, they give it a few minutes. They make sure because you know they bring in like different guys. Like Tony Deppen was there. He he was working without a contract. Like they bring in they bring in guys like that. Chris Dickinson, different guys like that would work without contracts. Um, and they just start laying it on us. Um, you know, you know that. Things have to change. So I'm thinking like when they're first going into it, I'm thinking like, okay, like I'm thinking that maybe they're going to go back to the way Ring of Honor used to be. You know, maybe maybe we're all going to be per night, you know, type of situation. Wasn't expecting to say that the company was going on hiatus at that point, mm. um, which, you know, translation, they're looking to sell the company. You know, just can they find a buyer? I never bought for a second, even though I knew they had people working on it, man. I never bought for a second. They were just going to come back as a super indie. Why would, Why does a one of the largest media conglomerates in the in the in the United States want to fucking run a super indie wrestling company? You know, it doesn't make any doesn't make any sense. Um, but um, yeah, and they just kind of they kind of laid it out and they laid out the terms of like. If your contract is up at the end of the year, we're not going to renew you. And if your contract runs longer, we'll pay you through April, and then we'll release you. And they allowed everybody, anybody who wanted to uh, leave the company right then and there, they would have given you an immediate release, which Jay Lethal got and signed with AEW like, you know, freaking week later. He was gone. He was the first one gone. Um and um which that was I mean that first TV taping was weird, no lethal there, just like the you know, there were guys meeting in hotel rooms to like hash out plans to like how to, you know, uh, it was just a weird fucking vibe and time. And, uh, so it was, um, I, I mean, that just, that, that just sunk me deeper fucking into like depression and stuff. Um, 
you know, I, I, I mean, I, I don't think I've ever said this publicly. Um, you know, I have been diagnosed with like severe anxiety and depression, which is not, not fun. Uh, this definitely contributed to it. You know, getting something you love and losing it, is, it sucks. Yeah, especially if you work so hard for it. Um, so I don't even remember. I don't even remember those TV tapings. I don't even remember what the hell we did at those TV tapings. I know it was just like, it just felt like you know, death march. Yeah, of. I felt like the wake. Right, that was the wake, and final battle was the funeral. Like, yeah. and uh, so it was just one TV taping in between. Yeah, so just yeah. that one TV taping, and then and then we had final battle. Uh, which uh, half of us didn't even know if we were getting brought in for it. You know, like I was asking Hunter and he's like, yeah, we'll, we'll make sure everybody's there. Like we'll find some, cause I wasn't involved in any storylines and the company's going out of business. I mean, they might want to just cut expenses and, uh, you know, not bring people in who they don't need. And that was a weird night too. Like FTR is there fucking, um, you know, Braun Strowman was there. <laughs> like it was, such a, <laughs> it was such a fucking weird night. Um, the Titan. Yeah, it was just a sad night, and then like you know, the end of the night they have us go out, you know, surround the ring for the for the main event, and I mean, you know, it didn't feel like a company that was going on hiatus, man. It felt like a company that was going out of business, like it. And no one ever leveled with you; they just stuck with the hiatus story. I, I had one conversation with Greg where I just, you know. I don't know if it was at, it might have been at Final Battle, where I was just like, and I actually just kind of said, like, I'm surprised, like, and I said to him, I'm surprised WWE or AEW, like, isn't, like, negotiating with you, like, or trying to buy the company right now for the video library. And he goes, well, who's to say that's not happening? You know, it's just a matter of agreeing on what, what a fair price is. And I said, oh, all right. <laughs> all right. Well, that makes sense. So, uh, but they kept, you know, they kept telling us, like, you know, no, the company's going to come back. Because I, my whole intent with that was to state, like, hey, I, I want to come back. Like, I, I don't want to go anywhere else. Like, if you guys come back in April, I want to come back. But it just, you know, it was just, it was a fucking sad night, man. It was a really sad night. That final, the night of final battle. Um, and when did you just, receive your termination notice? I, I'm on my seeing- on my birthday. I got my uh, I got my termination letter on my birthday. <laughs> that they won't it be just came, it came in the mail. Yeah, it was like certified mail. Whatever got delivered on my birthday. So, yeah. Happy 40th birthday. <laughs> You're no longer employed in the professional wrestling industry. So I, I really, you know, I was really down. I really considered, like, um, I really considered quitting, like, making final battle my final match and just dropping off the face of the planet because it just broke, it broke my heart. It, it just destroyed me as it does, as it's done a lot of guys. Um, you know, for those of the, you know, everybody, you know, everybody rebounds and stuff. But for me, I felt like I'm 40. I, I, I've, just probably have my worst year in the company, you know, my own fault, nobody's fault, but my own, my own fucking fault. Um, who's going to want me. So I didn't even try. It wasn't even like, I didn't even try. I didn't even send out, you know, I didn't try for months, you know, months later, I would start like emailing different places. But at that point, like I've been off TV for months. Um, but I didn't even try. Like I, 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 I was pretty resigned going in. Like I, I, I thought I thought that was going to be it. I thought that was going to be the last match. I thought that would be, you know, um, and I did the stuff like some beyond stuff with uh, Max the Impaler, and you know, so I kind of talked myself out of having that be my last match. But I really just was very unmotivated, um, you know, to wrestle like that night. Um, holy shit! Like, uh, thank God Steph had come to it um, because I was like. 
I was in rough shape, man. Like I needed help, like to the car after the after party and stuff. Like it was, uh, it was fucking bad, man. Uh, it was bad. Woke up next morning, had like a bloody nose and stuff, and like how much I drank, um, you know. And I was just fucking sad the whole the whole goddamn night. It was just it's awful. <laughs> it was all like I loved it. It was like it was because it's you realize like you know these like all these guys have been big part of my life for the last five years. And some of them I'll never see again. As a group, we'll never be together again. You know, like, um, you know, I barely see Bruiser anymore. I barely see, you know, Taven or Vinny. I don't see Pants anymore. Um, all these guys who are just seeing, you know, all the time and you're on the road with and you're hanging with and you're wrestling with. And now it's like it just, you know, that to me is the saddest part of it all is – you know, these guys are such a big part of my part of my life. And now, you know, you can text and you can call and but it's not gonna be the same, you know, as being on the road together and being with each other. So it just it was a fucking it was a really sad night, man. It sucked. It was a kick what, in the balls. <laughs> what did you do? Is it just battle royal or something? Oh, it was like a ten man it was like a ten man tag. Yeah, so it was it was just a throwaway match on the pre show. I was glad to do it, you know, I was happy to be a part of it. Um, you know, but it was just uh yeah. Made sure I got pictures with people, which I was always really, really bad at. Um, yeah, you know, and I, I knew I knew going. In, I was like, oh man, this after party. I knew I was going to get just roasted at, <laughs> roasted at it. Yeah. Um, you know, it was it was ugly though. It was bad. You know, um, I mean, we're coming now to the kind of peak of my like, you know, yeah, the the drinking gets. You know, it's already really really bad and. After that, for the next couple months, it's probably the worst it's uh, it, it ever was, you know. So, um, but it was. I was just, you know, I was really, I was really fucking depressed and you know, horrible anxiety. Um, you know, I'm having like panic attacks and shit, you know, uh, that are sending me to like the ER a couple times, you know, like that that level of of shit going on, man. So. You know, it was just it fucks with you, right? So I often say, like, yeah, you know, I'm pretty, I'm pretty beat up physically from the pro wrestling business, but uh, mentally, I'm way more fucked up from the pro wrestling business than I am physically. Like, it just, it's, yeah. it's a tough, it's a tough business, right? It preys on all your insecurities. It's also all your hopes and dreams tied up into one. So when something doesn't happen, or worse yet, when you get it and you lose it, you know, especially the way the way we lost it, right? It wasn't. It was such a bizarre way to lose it it wasn't just like it wasn't just like like ah they were done with me and i got released and whatever like i think i could have accepted that more easily than than the way it the way it happened it was just so fucking crazy so yeah the um of course they they received universal praise during the pandemic the fact that they paid everybody and you know you were getting paid as you said to to do youtube videos and stuff like that uh i mean it had to have like you know, you're part of this, like you said, this media conglomerate. It had to have been like some, you know, some pencil pusher and and in, in yeah. Sinclair Broadcasting is like looking at the uh, you know the bottom line, saying, "Wait, we're paying out this much, and we're only getting back this amount." No, get rid of it. Well, right? Yeah, the com- the company was always there as basically we were syndication filler, right? They could yeah. put us in any time slot on any one of their channels. Um, but yeah, I think they they had lost a bunch of money. Sinclair, like that's public news. That's not I'm not breaking any news there. The company lost a lot of money. Somewhere in that company, we are a line item, and that line item was red, and we were a very easy cut. And that's yeah. that's the long and short of it. They had to they had to make cuts. 
pro wrestling is always going to be in a situation like that. It's no different than like WCW was with uh, Turner Broadcasting or whatever. Like it's it's a line item to some person, and they say, "Well, that's an easy one to get rid of right there. Cut all that shit out." There we go. Yeah. We just saved however many millions of dollars that we were spending on Ring of Honor. So, and and in my time there, the budget had kept increasing more and more year over year, year over year. You know, had it stayed at the levels it was when I first got there, who knows? Maybe maybe it survives because it's not that red. That red ink isn't as dark, you know. But the number that it probably was at the end, yeah. Somebody said, "Yep, we're done. We're done with this shit." So. Yeah, they, I mean, they gave that. I mean, they had to have given great money to like marty scroll to yeah, keep him around he, and, i mean you hear rumors and stuff you know so i, I don't want to quote because i don't really know what guys were making but also they, they put themselves in a position where the salaries they were paying guys even if we kept a full schedule i don't know how they could have done it i don't know how you can pay guys some of the rumored salaries for 45 50 dates a year yeah can the guys are making wwe money working a quarter of the schedule so yeah it's tough. That's tough. That's tough business model for the company to recoup, you know, what they're investing. Yeah. So, uh they the you talked about like uh, FTR being a final battle. Was there any like conversation with those outside guys or was it just kind of like brief hello. It, they were they yeah. were nice, cordial. Yeah. Um Braun Strowman came to the after party, drank, got drunk with people, had a blast. He was a good he was cool shit to hang out with and you know, whatever. But yeah, not not much conversation. Just they were all chill. They were all just you know, they kind of knew the deal. Yeah. So when the news comes, I, I guess it didn't come till live on AEW Dynamite that uh, Tony Khan had purchased, you know, all the uh, trademarks and properties of Ring of Honor. What was your feeling on that? I mean, I knew it was the end for me. <laughs> like, yeah. It was like, there's no, no chance for me to come back now. <laughs> um, I will say this. Like, I think um, I think it gave me hope that, um, like, the legacy of the company won't die now. I definitely had concerns of it, you know, being with Sinclair Broadcasting, that it might just go sit in an archive somewhere and just the footage would rot until somebody paid them a ton of money for it. Yeah. Um, so I think, you know, and I, and I, and I, and I'm, I like that they bought it versus WWE buying it. You know, um, you know, we didn't need the history of we didn't need the rise and fall of Ring of Honor special <laughs> on Peacock. Um, so I think it's cool because I think that footage will live on. I think eventually AEW will probably do a streaming service or something. So I, th- I feel like you know, um, I think Tony Khan will be a better steward of the Ring of Honor brand and the history of Ring of Honor going forward than you know WWE would have been or Sinclair Broadcasting would have been. So I mean as far as like what they're doing, I, I don't know what the hell they're doing. Like it looks like Honor Club's back and they're going to do a TV show there or an internet show there. So I hope it's successful. I would love to, you know, say I didn't have my last Ring of Honor match, but I probably truth be told I probably have had my last Ring of Honor match. Um I'm glad it's still alive because it's an it's an important company in the history of uh American pro wrestling. It, it really is. Uh and to be a small part of that history is pretty damn cool so there have been no uh conversations at all with you anyone involved in aew slash roh no i I mean i reached out um and i got i got a response back and i just kind of was told like you know i did there'd have to be like a special request for me to come in is what i was told but i think that has more to do with my size than anything again um you know they're not going to they're going to bring me in to put over 
you know, I don't know, you know, they're gonna put Brian Pillman Jr. on dark, or they're gonna pick a guy he can bump around. You know what I mean? Like, yes, yeah. I'm probably not gonna be somebody to bring in for for to do job stuff. Which I've known that you know I never got picked for anything for WWE either. So, but I reached out. You know, I reached out, and you know they told me to ch- check in whenever. And just you know, it doesn't hurt to check in. So, did you go to the top or or, or someone? No, that's... no, I talked. I talked to uh, the person who like books different extras and things like that. I I really try. You know, I really try not to abuse relationships or like I try to exploit you know friendships or things like that. I just feel, and maybe maybe I'm stupid for for doing that, right? You know. I just always feel, you know, like I never tried to leverage like Kofi or Tommaso or, or Handsome or something for like a WWE tryout or, you know, I, I just don't feel comfortable doing things like that. You know what I mean? I just, I feel like it's, I almost feel like it's a breach of friendship in some ways, you know, like yeah. if I get my foot in the door and those guys want to, you know, put me over to people, I think that's different than, hey, can you get my foot in the door? You know? Yeah. Yeah, with with Tony Khan, I don't see like he's um, he's a Meltzer guy. He came up with newsletters and <laughs> yeah. Meltzer, you know, never really kind to the to the big men of wrestling. I figured, so. Yeah, I figure if they were ever gonna use me, it would have been a there was you know they had a pay per view in Lowell and they booked New England indie talent for that and they didn't book me. So that told me probably everything I need to know about the level of interest from AEW slash ring of honor and me and me currently. So it is what it is, man. You know, I'm working my ass off. I'm, you know, I'm down a bunch of weight and working hard. Um, you know, got a, got a fitness coach and stuff now and just, you know, one trying to, trying to make sure I'm around this planet for a long time, but also like, I, I still want to wrestle for, for a while longer. You know, I don't want to, you know, I want to write my own ending, whether it's yeah. on the indies or whatever. Like, I, I want to write my own ending. I want, I want to say when I've had enough. I don't want, cer- you know, circumstances to dictate that. I want to say when, when, when I'm done. So, and I, and I feel like I'm not done yet. Have you watched any of the ROH stuff they put out, the pay per views, or no, no? It's, I mean, it's so. It's, I mean, I'm not gonna lie, man. It's, a, it's a, it's a fucking open wound. Like, it's, you know, um. I mean, partially it's like driving me now, you know, it's, it's, it's a motivator and motivate motivator. Uh, it's a motivator. <laughs> it's, it's a motivator. Um, but no, it's a bit of, um, yeah, man, it's a bit of an open wound. Like it's, you know, um, you know, again, I've shared here, like I've definitely had some mental health problems and, you know, um, you know, I, I don't know. I, I, it's weird, right? Like we come from such a weird error, man. Like it's like, it's almost feels like a, sh- like you should be ashamed to fucking admit this, but like I'm in, you know, I'm in therapy weekly and and working on me as a person too. Um, but we come from that generation where like you're not supposed to talk about that shit. We're dudes, right? We're men. You just swallow it down until you <laughs> until you fucking drop dead of a heart attack because you well, held in everything. Old Malonis, anyway. Yeah, yeah. You you, you drop. <laughs> you know, you fucking hold every emotion in until you drop dead of a heart attack at like 52. You know, like that's oh goodness. Um, you know. But yeah, I'm trying to trying to reconcile all that. But no, the I mean, I've seen some of the stuff they're doing. But um, I mean, right now, man, I'm having a fucking blast. You know, I watch a, I go to, I go to a lot of WWE shows with my kid. You know, with my son. So you know, I'm having a, I'm a you're not too good it. to exploit the relationship of free tickets, right? <laughs> I, I I've gotten comp tickets one time. From, oh really? Uh, I've, yeah, every show I brought Michael to recently, I've, I've only I only got comp tickets once. No, oh, okay. Wow. Michael, Michael has a high high taste, by the way. the The old comp seats by the uh, hard cam just aren't going to s- suffice with uh, young Michael. 
He's <laughs> <laughs> very particular. Yeah, he, he <laughs> loves it. Yours. No, but it's a it's a blast. Like it's uh, I'm having a blast watching him uh, fall in love with it. You know, through his eyes. So it's been I'm having yeah. a blast. You know, kind of seeing him develop that love for pro wrestling. So it's cool. So um, you talked about uh, you know um, the booze at the last uh, after the last uh, final battle show. Yeah. When did it finally come to a head? I know you've talked about online how you you know you're. Uh, sober now but when did it finally come to a head where you said okay i gotta do something about this yeah so i went to went to a friend's wedding um and uh you know a mutual friend of ours wedding yeah and uh i pre-gamed a bottle of wine in the car before the ceremony and uh it was open bar and i probably drank another like three bottles of wine um and i woke up the next morning and i had all sorts of dried blood in my nose didn't feel good. Um, the next day after that, two days after the wedding, I ended up going to the ER um, because, like, I thought I thought something was wrong with my heart. <laughs> like, you know, um, turns out I was just really severely fucking dehydrated still and all messed up from from the booze. Um, and that was it. Scared me enough where I was just like, I can't do this anymore. Like. Uh, I got. I got to stop, and I had to stop. I knew I had to stop like completely. It couldn't be just like I'll cut back or whatever. You know, I just had to ha- admit that I had a uh, admit that I had. You know, for the longest time, I was like, no. I mean, I can, I can, I can, I can abstain from it. You know, I, I just drink because I like it. You know, you just tell yourself all these fucking lies yeah. um, to justify it or whatever. I just like it to take the edge off or whatever. In reality, I'm I'm drinking that much because. I have awful anxiety. I'm horribly depressed, and I'm just masking, you know, those feelings with with alcohol. Um, but it scared me, man. Like I, you know, uh, you know, it just scared the shit out of me. So I just made the decision then of, I'm done with it. I'm not going to touch it anymore. And I haven't, I haven't looked back since. I haven't had a a drop of alcohol, and it was tough early on. Like you know, I I, I was booked in Wisconsin in March, and I sat in a bar with a bunch of people. And I didn't touch it. Um, so now I'm over. I'm over 300 days, and I can honestly, you know, say right now, I I don't think I'll ever touch alcohol again in my life because I do think I had a pretty severe, a pretty severe drinking problem. And uh, I think back of like I don't like who I was when I was when I was drinking that much either. You know, um, I wasn't like a violent drunk or anything. I think I was a fun drunk most of the time. You know, not to make light of it. I'm not trying to make light of it, but. Um, I just don't like I don't like that guy. There's there's a couple scary nights in the bubble and stuff too. Or I think of some of the scary amounts that I drank. Like you know, um, man, just uh, that shit can get away with get away from you. So it's you know I'm glad I caught it when I did, and hopefully there's no long term effects I've done for myself to myself from it. Mm-hmm. Um, but I but I like myself better today than I did in in February you know when i was drinking that much so um you know still still working on me still working on you know becoming a different person still you know like i said started uh started therapy so that was a big step for me because i just for the longest time i was like nah i'm not gonna do that shit i'm not gonna do that shit fuck that fuck that um so that's uh you know that's been a big step for me and um 
you know, and and I still feel like I want to fight for this man. Like I don't want to give up on. Uh, I, I'm I'm that old guy now, right? I got one last run of me, Mike. I got one more <laughs> run of me, but I think I do, right? Like I think I do. You know, the the night before, um, you know, the podcast comes out on uh, on Festivus, and I'm uh, supposed to have a big matchup beyond. So I'm hoping maybe to put on a good show there. But uh, you know, I want to just show you know. Yeah, I get really down on myself, you know, and uh, and I just want to show the world that I'm, I'm, I can still be somebody in pro wrestling, you know. Maybe I won't get signed to a contract again. Maybe I'll never wrestle on TV again. But uh, uh, ultimately, what I hope to do over the next however many years I decide to wrestle is uh, is just be proud of the body of work I put out there, and and that's what I'm just looking for at this point. You should be, buddy. I'm proud of you for uh, <laughs> starting to get things on the right track. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's not it's not easy to admit to yourself. It's not easy to come on a forum like this. But I also know, you know, um, it's funny, right? So I always thought like people would say this shit to like to get attention, right? Ah, they just fucking want attention. Just go, just you know, shut up about it or whatever. But then you realize like, you know, as stupid as it is, like uh, I've done enough shit. I've done enough, you know, because I decided to you know be a fake fighter in in spandex. Like my life matters to people who have never met me, who have never known me personally. So if, um, you know, telling your story sometimes helps people. So I felt like if I could, uh, you know, uh, put myself out there, maybe it helps somebody else, right? Maybe, you know, I think of guys who have inspired me. I think of like Mike Bennett and that talk I had with him and, you know, people like that who have inspired me. Um, maybe I inspire somebody to go, hey, shit, yeah, maybe I do have a problem. Because it's, it's still a battle every day, right? So I've been struggling with the weight still, my weight yo-yos, but it's more it's, it's with food, not with booze. Um, but, you know, now I feel like, a, you know, I took some some steps too. I hired, you know, fitness coach and working my ass off back in the gym, you know, four or five days a week, plus working out cardio at home the other days. I'm tired, man. This is late at night too. I got to, you know, <laughs> we've been going for a while, but uh Yeah. Yeah, I feel like you know I'm 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 optimistic and hopeful, and I haven't always been optimistic and hopeful. That's great, buddy. Now uh, you say you see there's no end in sight for uh, your wrestling career, or no? I don't want to. I saw you know I don't want to be one of these guys that like you know um ah I'm gonna be finished at this, and then I then I haven't had my fill yet. I'll never retire, right? I'll never say I'm retired because I don't know what if I go three more years and I stop taking bookings for a while and then a match comes up like, gosh, oh, that'll be fun to go do a one-off, you know, eventually I'll, I'll just start taking less and less bookings and eventually I'll take no bookings. <laughs> so, yeah. um, but yeah, I don't plan on stopping anytime soon. Hopefully, right. Knock on wood, you know, I, you know, you got 20 years in, so you never know, like injuries creep up and, you know, hopefully I can avoid the injury bug and everything. And, um, that's the big thing, right? Just avoiding the injury bug. But I'm doing I'm doing what I can to take care of myself to keep myself healthy. What about doing other stuff in wrestling? Uh, promoting, perhaps. Is this something that you'd be interested in? Yeah, you know, there may be some irons in the fire. <laughs> Nothing I can talk about yet. But yeah, yeah, I think I think I would be more interested in promote the promoting side than like I would never want to run a school or anything like that. I, I, I mean, I've been you know talked to several times about like either starting a school or joining other schools and it's just you know uh, promoting hmm. oh boy hmm. maybe never say never 
Never oh, say boy. never. Do I have to get back in shape again? Maybe. I was in Maybe. shape for a minute. You could be the cafe booker. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even think I want to do that. <laughs> <laughs> well, you got kids now, so. I do. I certainly do. Um, all right. Um, what, what else can we talk about? I mean, it's only, uh, what, two hours, almost yeah. two and a half hours. I don't know. What else you, what, I mean, what else you want? I think we, we covered the gamut of Ring of Honor. I mean, it's, uh, I will say this though. You want it, you want it. So I told you, like, my relationship started dicey with, with Bubba Ray. Uh, it yeah. ended up very, it ended up, I ended up having a very good relationship with, with Bubba at the end. Uh, brought my son backstage one time. Bubba was awesome to him. My son, uh, big wrestling fan. So Bubba brings us back to this little room and he's going to let my son take a picture with his, uh, Hall of Fame ring. Um, and he's, you know, he's, Michael's just having a conversation with him. He goes, Hey, buddy, you want to take a picture with this? And he goes, No, thanks. <laughs> and he goes, <laughs> So Bubba thought he was just being polite. He's just a little shit, too. He was little, little. He's like, No, come on, let's take a picture. And he goes, No, thanks. <laughs> <laughs> but then, like, so with that session with Martinez stuff, I get back from doing that night in St. Louis, and Bubba pulls me aside. And he's like, That's the best thing I've seen you do in five years here. He's like, that's gonna, that'll make you the most money you're ever gonna make here. It didn't happen, didn't put pan out, but he, I mean, it, it made enough impression on him. Like he went on like a, I think it was like Chris Van Vliet show and and talked about it and put me over. So that meant a lot to me because, uh, you know, Bob was a tough nut to crack. <laughs> like he's he can really be a tough guy, um, but uh, you know, to to kind of feel like I've gained you know his respect a little bit, you know, it did mean something to me. Um, so, um, yeah. There you go. There's a fun. There's a fun story. Yeah. Trying to think of any other ones. I don't. I don't know. You know. I don't. I, I can't think of any. Off the top. I mean, it's late. You, I, it's I'm late. Also, yeah. By the way, I'm also giving up caffeine, brother. <laughs> oh my goodness. How yeah. are you doing it? Miserable. Uh, it's fucking miserable. Yeah. <laughs> no. I know. I'm glad to finally. We finally did this, man. It's, it's apropos. It's. It's. You know. It's appropriate. You know. The timing. You know. We pushed it off, but it's this time of year last year, and and and, and truth be told, 2022 has not been a fucking fun year for me, man. Like this has not been a fun year in my life. Um. You know, I've struggled with a lot of things. I still struggle with a lot of things, but uh, but I feel like again for the first time in a long time, I feel I feel hopeful and excited, and and hopefully I can keep that. You know, that momentum. That momentum going um, because I haven't felt always felt like that. You know, I got I got a lot of good things in my life, and uh, you know, yeah, you know. First and foremost, the, the two little munchkins. You know, uh, they're not so little anymore. Eleven and seven. It goes by quick, buddy. Just wait. But uh, you know, um, yeah, I got a lot of cool shit coming up in my life. Just gotta not be a not be an idiot, you know, anymore, and do stupid things like you know, drink multiple bottles of wine. Yeah, <laughs> you know, like it's uh, Jesus. Yeah, and it's funny. I mean, you know, the funny thing is when I came out with that, that I was sober. So many people had the reaction. You know, because of our, you know, we, we've stayed close over the years. But some people who hadn't seen me in years, like, were like, "Boy, you never were like a big drinker. What the hell happened?" And it's like, well, life happens, man. Mm. <laughs> like it's uh, it's a really easy thing to get caught up in and, and abuse. And a lot of people, a lot of people do. Um, you know, I feel like I'm lucky I've come out on the other side of it. Um, you know, but some people are still in the throes of it. It's, it can, it's a real bitch and it really does get a hold of you and you just like look to it. You look for any excuse, right? I had a bad day at work. 
Ah, I didn't get this. Ah, oh, fuck, I'm stressed. Ah, oh, it's Saturday night. Ah, oh, it's Friday night. Yeah. Ah, oh, I got to go to work tomorrow. You know, it's it's a Sunday. You know, Sunday afternoon watching football. You know, whatever. You just find every. It's not just like you know. It's not just like have a have a glass or two of wine. It's, it wasn't just like have a beer or two. It was like I'm gonna drink until I, you know, just get plastered. So yeah. Well. I'm glad you're coming on the other side. <laughs> yeah, yeah, man. I'm trying. I'm working at it. I feel like my well, face looks fatter because of the beard, but I really am. I'm the lightest I've been in like five years. So, very nice. On now, the way, on the way down, in a good way. Yeah, good. From what I understand, though, you are hitting the highways and byways, crisscrossing this great nation of ours, plying your trade as a pro professional wrestler, and. You got dates. I do have dates, Mike. So, uh, well, it's already passed, but you can go watch uh, my escapades from the most recent Wrestling Open on IWTV. Uh, But uh, on the 28th of December, I'll be heading to the Everett Rec Center, the illustrious, famous Everett Rec Center. Uh, challenging to get my title back, the title that I made famous, the UFO Wrestling Heavyweight Championship against the Dynasty Bo Douglas. Holy moly. All right, Mike, this is going to be a tough this is going to be a tough one these next two dates, okay? I want you okay. to take a deep breath. I'm crossing the lines, okay? What? What? I have signed on to appear at the debut events for the relaunched Wrestling Federation of America, the no! WFA. No. Yep. No, I've crossed. We, we get something to throw at you. <laughs> I've jumped ship, Mike. I've jumped ship. Son of a bitch. To the WF. I've turned my back on my chaotic brethren. Oh, my jo- God. So January the 6th, that's a Friday night in Hooksit, New Hampshire. January the 7th in Littleton, uh, New Hampshire. January the 20th, I'm heading to the fighting city of Brockton, Massachusetts for Pro Wrestling Super Show. Super Show. Uh, the 21st of January, APW in Newbury Park. I'm also challenging for that heavyweight title. I may be having a lot of a lot of gold. And then on February 4th, I am challenging for the Pioneer Valley Pro Wrestling Heavyweight Whoa. Championship out in East wow. Hampton, Massachusetts. So I might be, you know, by the by the by the uh, second week in February, I might be just draped in gold. Wow, <laughs> it's it's ensconced. Right. Yes, <laughs> yes I'll, I'll I'll be I'll be wearing championship belts and wearing velvet. Mm, very nice. You would carry it off well, I'm sure. Uh, <laughs> All the right places, brother. All the right places. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so uh, let's give a little shout out to some pals. Um, our vantage point, the Retro Wrestling Podcast. They're starting a new podcast. Uh, Joe Morata and Michael Quinn. Yes, they're starting a new podcast. Uh, I actually did the logo for it, so uh, yay me. Acid Washed Memories. You pay for it? Oh, yeah. Acid Washed Memories is coming uh, January 9th, I believe. Uh, So it's it's a separate feed, so make sure you subscribe to Acid Washed Memories on uh, your favorite podcast platform. And, of course, this will be doing uh, stuff for our vantage point. Uh, the the 85 canon will continue. So take a look at uh, OVP and Acid Washed Memories. And, of course, Mike Mills. You're still keeping in touch with Mike Mills? <laughs> Occasionally, yeah. We'll, we'll, we'll kibitz over football or something or or bury you. Yes. Well, he, he does uh, have me on for my uh, annual uh, Book in the Territory. Uh, it's I think it's court-mandated. My yearly appearance on Booking the Territory. I was there uh, <laughs> over the summer. So uh, we continue to listen to uh, Booking the Territory, a great podcast. They've been going for, you know, they were 
we started in in 2016. I think they started the year before that. So they they've been going a long time. Uh, so unprofessional wrestling podcast. Exactly. Mike Mills, uh, check them out. Uh, Matt Spectro has his podcast. Not about wrestling. It's about uh, comic book cartoons. That is called Matt Spectro through the multiverse. Of course, our old pal Tarzan. Yeah, uh, I, I, by. A number of episodes, number number of guest appearances on Matt Spectro through the multiverse. Yeah, so if you miss hearing our voices, uh, both of us are, are are on multiple episodes of Matt Spectro through the multiverse. So check those out. Uh, when's your next He-Man episode? I think we're done. I think we we did them all now. Oh, you did? Yeah, I thought there was one more. Nope, we did them all. Oh, all right. All right. Um, oh wait, no, I, there is one more. There is one more. I forgot about that shit. That shit He Man series that they have on Netflix. The, the, yeah, the, the, the not Kevin Revelation, Smith one, not, right? Not, not Revelation, like the the reimagined one. That ugh. did you do the Kevin Smith one? You did the Kevin Smith. Yes, one. Yes, I love that one. That one's okay. fantastic. All right, uh, and uh, yeah, give Leo Connors uh, a, a check. Uh, look up him. Look him up on uh, YouTube. Subscribe. He for some reason he's. Uh, decided that i've been deemed uh worthy of being his 300th episode wow look at he's you. like really like he's he's like i need i need you for the for the big special anniversary episode like uh, i think people <laughs> are going to be disappointed that i i'm his special guest for his <laughs> anniversary episode but uh, i i am booked uh whenever that episode is coming i will be there oh you got dates and, uh, Yes, I'd have a date. So me and me and Leo going on a date uh, for his 300th episode. Uh, yeah, he's on uh, Nashua Cable Access, but you can find him on um, on YouTube. And uh, he does great work uh, interviewing the stars of the New England wrestling I'm sure, I'm sure my name won't come up. <laughs> Not at all, I'm sure. Uh, so I think that's about it for us. I mean. Yeah. It's, it's after midnight. It is. So we got to go. Yeah. Uh, well, this is fun, buddy. Well, some yeah, of it was fun. I laid some heavy, some heavy stuff on people. So, apologies. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but uh, yeah, we're we're smiling at the end, so that's that's a good yeah, thing. Well, what can you do, right? I mean, right? We all get fired, get hired to get fired in pro wrestling, and uh, ultimately, when I look back, uh, I've done some pretty cool shit. So, at the end of the day, I can't. You know, I'll always be disappointed. I fell short of certain things. I'll be disappointed in the way Ring of Honor ended. Um, but ultimately when I, I, you know, when I look back at it, I've done a lot of really cool shit. So, um, you know, I'm a pretty lucky guy. There's a lot of people that don't get the opportunities that I got and, um, I'm fortunate to have them and, uh, you know, leave the memories alone. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> All right. So I guess that's it for us. Maybe we'll do it another two years. Maybe, maybe. Maybe I mean if I'm tied into another podcast, Mike, I might not be able to. Oh boy, we'll have to talk about this. <laughs> All right, so oh, oh, come to me before you make any uh, All final right, decisions. Sorry. All right. right. <laughs> so I guess that's it for uh, the Kingpin Brian Malonis. This is Mike Crockett. Uh, big ups to Mucko, and thanks for nothing. <laughs>